Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. We always wonder, you know, how did the government spend all that COVID money? You know, all those COVID funds, the COVID relief funds, what'd they do with it? How'd they spend it? Well, at least in New Jersey, they used COVID relief funds to buy banned Chinese surveillance cameras. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 is the number on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The United States Department of Justice is suing the state of Texas saying, you got to knock it off trying to curtail illegal immigration. You better knock it off here. We think it's completely illegal that you're trying to secure your state and stop the flow of illegal immigration into the United States of America. It's hard to believe this is actually happening, but it is. The United States Department of Justice suing a state and because the state says we have a problem. And yet, meanwhile, every time Texas sends a busload of illegal immigrants to some Democrat hellhole city, the Democrat hellhole city mayor comes around and screams, we don't want them. Send them back to Texas. But they never say send them back to Mexico or send them back to wherever, Guatemala, Guatemala. They never. They always say send them back to Texas. Well, I think maybe the mayor of Edison might have said send them back uh, to the other side of the border, but he might be the exception. Uh, they, they want Texas to keep them all. And yet Texas says, all right, well, well we have, we're going to try to do our best here to secure the state. We have a right to. So we're going to use some money to buy razor wire and we're going to do some things to stop people from crossing the river. And what happens? The United States government turns around and goes, ah, not so fast. You have no right to secure the United States homeland. And since we have no interest in doing it, we're certainly not going to let you do it. I mean, that's really what this comes down to, isn't it? The United States of America is admitting it has no interest, no interest whatsoever in securing the southern border. And when a state steps in that is on the southern border, and then tries to do something about that on the southern border, uh, the United States of America turns around and says, well, you will see you in court. We'll see you in court. How dare you? It's just hard to to make this stuff up. It really is. And that's why, you know, the Republicans went down there and they had a big press conference. The, The surge is breaking records. Hard to believe it's happening because it's an election year. You'd think at least Biden would pretend just for for the year, just, you know, pretend for the year that he gives a damn about the border and try to do something about the border. I mean, isn't that what you would imagine his advisors would tell him? 
You know, Mr. President, you have this major problem here. The border is wide open. Maybe you should do something about that. Maybe, you know, I mean, maybe just just maybe do something regarding that to look strong, to look like you you care, to look like you give a damn, to look like you have competence of some sort. Nope, not even that. They're not even they're not even telling him that. And that's what I don't understand about this, because I, I don't really get the political strategy behind all this. Now, I understand why the Democrats want open borders. I can get all that. I mean, that's their that's their whole thing. They believe in this. It's very passionate for them. But what I don't understand is why the administration is at least not pretending, you know, at least not pretending like they want to do something about it. I'm not saying they have to. I'm saying just pretend. You know, I don't expect them to do anything about it, but at least do a show of a, a show. You know, they, they love doing shows. They love I mean, Biden's going to do a big show in Valley Forge next week. So do outside of Valley Forge, I should say, right nearby. Well, so you love doing shows. So why not do a big show about that and say, hey, look at us. We're trying to do something about the border. I mean, we're not really going to, but we're going to pretend like we care. And so we're watch this. Everybody will turn around and go, whoa, you're not it's what you're not really you're not really doing anything about this. But but that would take some time, at least initially, the corporate media would pretend like the Biden administration is doing something and big tech would, too. And that would give them maybe a little bit of a boost. I don't know. The Justice Department on Wednesday filed a lawsuit against Tejas over a state law allowing authorities to arrest illegal immigration, legal immigrants, pitting Republican Governor Greg Abbott, the devil himself. I mean, how dare this guy, the audacity of him trying to secure his state against the Biden administration as both remain at odds over how to handle the escalating crisis at the southern border. Well, here's how the Biden administration wants to handle the escalating crisis at the southern border. Ready? They want to do nothing about the escalating crisis at the southern border. By handling it, they mean not handling it. By handling it, they mean, come on in. And when you get here, here's a court date. We're going to see you in uh, 27 years. You better show up uh, or else we're going to deport you. Maybe, probably not, but you should definitely come to the court date in 27 years from now. So here's your ticket and be on your way. Have fun, enjoy yourself while you're here. Take some pictures and I'm sure you'll be a citizen before you have to go to court anyway. So what are we worried about? The lawsuit filed in an Austin federal court came after Abbott signed into law last month a measure challenging the federal government's authority over immigration matters. In addition to Biden, several blue cities like New York and Chicago have pushed back against Abbott, the devil himself, for having thousands of migrants bust from his state to their jurisdictions. How dare he send these dirty people to their cities? He needs to keep these dirty people in his own state where they belong. Quote, the United States brings this action to preserve its exclusive authority under federal law to regulate the entry and removal of non-citizens. Non-citizens. Texas cannot run its own immigration system. Well, they're not because they're not letting anyone stay. That's the point. They're not running an immigration system. If Texas was running an immigration system, they'd be handing out green cards. Right. And they'd be granting asylum to people. Nobody doubts that they don't have the right to do that. That's not we're not we're not nobody's questioning that. But Texas isn't trying to do that. And Texas isn't saying they don't have a table set up like a kid's lemonade stand going, hey, get your citizenship here. How are you? What's your name? Well, here's a green card. Welcome. You're now a United States legal permanent resident alien. They're not doing that, you idiots. All they're doing is turning around and saying you can't come here. We're we're arresting you. You're you're breaking Texas law. You're in Texas illegally. 
And, and, the, and the federal government doesn't have to do anything about this. The federal government could actually, if they wanted to, they could sign an agreement with Texas and do it all the time. I mean, the feds and, and state and local partners sign all kinds of agreements to help each other out and enforce things. They, they do this all the time. You know, they have these joint task force, the JTF, as it's called. They have a JTF on everything these days. There's certainly a JTF on domestic violent extremism. You know, where the uh, where the federales will work with the state police to track down all you MAGA hat wearing Betsy Ross flag waving lunatics. And right now in Pennsylvania, there's a guy who has this organic farm and he sells things like raw cheese, raw milk. And it's being raided as we speak right now. It's Congressman Tom Massey who posted this a short time ago. Guys, farm is being raided in a joint. I'm sure a joint federal state task force the pennsylvania state police is there executing search warrants but i'm sure he's violating some sort of federal milk law i mean this has happened before in pennsylvania with with farmers amish farm farmers and non-amish uh, amish farmers who just want to be able to sell a product that people want to buy raw milk raw cheese but big dairy doesn't like that you understand the big meat industrial complex doesn't like that so they crack down on this stuff but that's an example of a, of a joint task force. So if the federal government wanted to, it could actually sign an agreement with the Texas State Police, say, all right, Rangers, here's the deal. You guys help us out and we appreciate it. Thank you for your time. They could even deputize them if they wanted to. They could do all kinds of things, but they don't want to. Instead, they want them to stop it, knock it off. Don't you dare assist us in any efforts to secure the southwest border of the United States of America because we don't want it secured so if you try to secure it we're gonna be very unhappy with you because we don't want it to be secure so cut it out i mean that's basically the lawsuit i'm not a lawyer so i summed it up in layman's terms as they call it you know layman's terms so anybody without a law degree can understand and you don't need all these fancy words and pages and documents and exhibits and whatnot all you gotta do is just put one line in there we don't want you enforcing immigration law because we don't want to enforce immigration law there we said it Sincerely, Uncle Sam. Quote, the United States brings this action to preserve its exclusive authority under federal law to regulate the entry and removal of non-citizens. Texas cannot run its own immigration system. Its efforts through SB4 intrude on the federal government's exclusive authority to regulate the entry and removal of non-citizens, frustrate the United States immigration operations and proceedings, and interfere with U.S. foreign relations. Well, that's a new one. How's that? Is Texas arresting ambassadors and diplomats? I mean, the UN's not in Texas, is it? I don't think so. I think I'm pretty sure it's not in Texas. I think it's in New York. What? How? How are they? How are they interfering with U.S. foreign relations? Is Texas sending a team to negotiate with Xi Jinping? Greg Abbott got his people over. I mean, these governors do things all the time like this. Like Phil Murphy. His royal rugness, King Philip the Unaccountable, was in Israel, I think, about two months ago or something, walking around with his rug, you know, hanging out. And he, they do, they, how come that's not interfering with U.S. foreign relations? They're just governors sitting there talking to foreign leaders, doing all their little fancy tours that you pay for with your tax dollars. But if Texas arrests an illegal immigrant, that's interfering with U.S. foreign relations? Well, who's this guy sneaking in? Well, what is it? What is it? A prime minister? I mean, yeah, if Texas arrests a prime minister, I could I could definitely understand even a drunk one. 
Like, even if a, the prime minister of Australia got drunk at a Texas bar and started you know, fighting people, he's doing the mechanical bull and he's fighting people, because Australians are, I mean, they're, they're all descendants of criminals, obviously. So he it got nuts, got drunk, you know, drank some Fosters. I don't think they really drink that in Australia, but got, got a little loose, you know, and was doing the mechanical bull and, you know, punched some dude in the face and the Texas police came in and arrested the prime minister of Australia. I, okay, I, I, would, I would argue that that might be impeding U.S. foreign relations, and I would, I would say, even though the prime minister was way out of line here, way, unless it was that, that hot prime minister from, uh, where was she from, Matt DeSantis? Denmark, Finland, the hot one who was dancing all the time and drinking all the time. Uh, Finland, I believe. Finland, yeah, but she's not the prime minister anymore, right? No, she, she was forced to resign. She was too cool. Yeah, she was too cool. I would, if you were, do not arrest. She can do anything she wants, as far as I'm concerned, whether she's prime minister or not. So, if she was prime minister still and came to Texas and had a bar fight and was on a mechanical bull, I would want Greg Abbott impeached if he arrested her for that. Sana Marin. Sana Marin. Thank you. I'd want. I, w- I would be the first one leading the charge to impeach Greg Abbott over that. Be like your actions here, sir, were out obscene. Not only did you interfere with U.S. foreign relations, you arrested the hottest prime minister on the planet, and she was riding a mechanical bull at the time. You, sir, are a disgrace to men everywhere, and I want your man card, your conservative card, and your governor card while you're at it. Where was I going with this? Oh, right. Yes, because um, you can't arrest prime ministers and diplomats, and they have uh, diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. It's just been revoked. But arresting an illegal immigrant who's crossing into the United States of America, I don't know how that interferes with U.S. foreign relations. I mean, I don't know if they're a prominent person who actually has some pull with the government of their own country. Then why are they sneaking in the border? You know what I mean? Why are they booking a swanky hotel and having their taxpayers pay for their travel like all the other worthless diplomats do when they come to New York? I was there recently. A couple months ago, the United Nations was in town. And, you know, the U.N.'s on the east side of Manhattan. My uh, wife's aunt had her 80th birthday party, and so we were there for that. We stayed at a hotel not far from there. And there were all these big black SUVs and all these uh, Secret Service types, you know, with all their little earpieces. And, uh, I mean, it was it was crazy town. It really was. It was crazy town. But they all have diplomatic immunity. You know, they rack up all their those parking tickets. They don't pay them. They, they park wherever they want. They do whatever they want. I mean, they just, because it's diplomatic immunity. But they don't sneak in through the southern border to get to the U.N. And they don't like, you know, cross the Rio Grande and go through barbed wire, get all dirty and then, you know, get to the Four Seasons in New York to take a shower and then go debate international policy at the U.N. We're not talking about people with much pull back in their home country. That's why they left. So how exactly does 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 arresting a guy fleeing Guatemala interfere with U.S. foreign relations? I don't I don't understand. I, I really I really can't understand that. For the life of me. They also say here it frustrates the United States immigration operations and proceedings. Well, you don't have any operations and proceedings. That's the problem. You're not doing anything about this. So the only thing it's frustrating is the fact that now someone's actually doing something about it. And you don't like that. And that frustrates you. That people are actually doing something about the United States immigration operations and proceedings. And that frustrates you, the Biden administration. And it intrudes on the federal government's exclusive authority to regulate the entry and removal of non-citizens. Okay. First of all, the term non-citizens, I told you deliberately, is the new 
uh, nomenclature that the left is using for illegal immigrants because they want the distinction to be they just lack this minor thing called citizenship. But otherwise, they're good to go. No, really, they do. And, and you know, you heard the term no person is illegal. And that's true. There, no one is illegal. Your status, however, might be illegal, but you're not illegal as a person. No one ever said that. No one ever thought you were a counterfeit human being or something like that. But your status is illegal because there's a legal status. And if it's not a legal status, the opposite of legal is illegal. So by virtue of that, like, in other words, if I'm a prisoner and I escape, I'm an illegal escapee. I'm not supposed to be on the outside. I got to go back into the into the jail. I'm still a legal person. I just don't have the legal right to escape from prison and be on the streets. I don't think anyone would dispute that that fact. But they change words all the time and they change words on purpose to achieve a political outcome. So when all those people in your neighborhood that have the hate has to home here signs on their lawn. And they also had a line in there. It says, we believe no human is illegal. What they're saying is we don't believe anybody should be called an illegal immigrant because everybody should be allowed to come here and there should be no debate about that fact. So don't call them criminals either. That's what Nikki Haley says. Oh, yeah. No, no. Nikki Haley agrees with that, too. Yeah. The great white hope of the Republican Party. Right. Nikki Haley. The establishment's choice. The one they're hoping will stop Donald Trump. Here's Nikki Haley talking about language and why it's so important to use nice words when you're talking about people who are entering the United States illegally, jeopardizing our national security. And they are welcome to go to a port of entry, a legal port of entry and claim asylum. That's a legal process. They could do that if they wanted to, but instead they're sneaking in in an illegal manner, which then causes their status to be illegal. But we shouldn't be disrespectful to them says the, the great white hope of the Republican establishment, Nikki Haley. Cut number seven. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. Oh, that's so sweet. That's sweet. I am touched by that. But at the same time, it is a crime to enter the United States illegally. Now, what do you call someone who commits a crime? I'll wait. I'll wait. Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Matt DeSantis, you went to Harvard. What do you call someone who commits a crime? Uh, a criminal. A criminal! Okay. We shouldn't talk to them about them as criminal. I mean, you can say that with the mafia too, right? Like, don't be disrespectful. They have families. I mean, most mobsters have families. It's literally a family. Like the Gambino crime family is a family. You know what I mean? They're in the big families, big Italian families. Lots of kids and cousins and great, you know, God, godsons, goddaughters. You know what I mean? These are, these are, it's not fair to talk about these people as criminals. They got kids, damn it. In fact, I think we should extend that to anyone who has children. If you have children and you have done something that is illegal, we should not call you a criminal. You got kids. So, and look, as a parent, I, I understand that. I, I sympathize with that because we're all, you know, one temper tantrum away from becoming criminals by killing our own children. Just kidding. I don't want to have child services call the house, but you know what I mean by that. Uh, Matt DeSantis and Henry, however, since they don't have children, both of you in my book could absolutely be criminals. 
but I can't. So the three of us go on a, uh, say, like a bank robbing spree, which I'm not ruling out given the state of our company, the financial state. (laughs) (laughs) And we get arrested for robbing banks. And obviously we, we would be wearing masks of the presidents of the United States, like in Point Break. Uh, you two would be criminals. I, however, would be a father who has children and needs to feed those kids. And I just want a better life for my children. You understand? It yeah. makes sense to me. Thank you very much. It's called Haley Logic. <laughs> Nikki Haley Logic. Right there. They're not criminals. They're families. They have children. They want a better life. You know, sir, my client, he may be the uh, capo de tutte capo, the head of the five families, but he has kids and he wants a better life for those children. So, yeah, the racketeering and the money laundering and the prostitution and whatnot. But um, can we not empathize with this man? He just wants a better life for his kids. Oh, I didn't realize he had kids. Well, then in that case, case dismissed. Boom. Now. As far as crossing the border into the United States of America, it is illegal to enter the United States of America illegally. So that means that if you commit the crime of entering the United States of America illegally, you have committed a criminal act. When you commit a criminal act, you are a criminal, except if you have children. That is now the new Nikki Haley logic. Well done. I like it. As a father, I approve. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. We got a big show for you today. The Jeffrey Epstein list is out. Are you shocked? Are you revolted? The Stephen Hawking revelations are certainly revolting, if nothing else. We'll talk about that and much more. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. So the question, of course, what makes somebody a criminal? Uh, Now, I'll give you a great example of this, right? Uh, Sanctuary Cities. So you remember when Jim Kenny did the white man's overbite, dancing in the hallway? We are a sanctuary city, yeah! He was so excited about that fact. He was so thrilled. The city of uh, Philadelphia at the time sued for the right to not cooperate with the federal government when it came to 
illegal immigrants who were who were wanted by the feds for something. So we 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 held them in jail and then the feds wanted them for something and we wouldn't cooperate. It wasn't even like the sanctuary city was, you know, the brute squad going house to house and dragging people out of their homes or anything like that. It was literally a situation where, hey, you got this guy in Philadelphia County Jail and he's wanted on a on a federal warrant for something and we'd like you to turn him over to us. And Philadelphia said, uh, no. No, because we are a sanctuary city. Yeah, that was Kenny, the white man's overbite in the hallway, dancing and slapping his chief of staff high five after Philadelphia was allowed to be a sanctuary city after a lawsuit. Well, how's that working out for all these cities around the country right now? Not so good. Not too good. Not too good. In fact, now they kind of regret it. So, Matt DeSantis, I sent you this clip here. This is a um, Chicago Democrat alderman. Aldermen are what they call their city council members. It's a stupid title, but nevertheless, what are you going to do? A Chicago Democrat alderman who says, you know, now that we think about it, <laughs> hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Like when, you know, if you, th- if you ask me now, would we do it again kind of a thing? The gift of hindsight really is something in life. This is why I say you should never have regrets. Regrets. I've had a few. But then again, a few to mention, <laughs> and I don't really think that this should go in the category of regret because at the time you guys did it, you felt so good about it. But here's the Chicago alderman. Take a listen. Where, where are they? Where are they being given the migrants? Who's who's employing the bus drivers? Yeah, that's a great question. We're looking at that because these drivers have commercial driver's licenses. And if they're violating any federal laws, you know, we have the potential to take action against them. We're taking action against some of the bus companies. We've impounded, I think, three buses uh, so far since we passed legislation allowing us to do that. But that's a a second. Stop it. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. How come the city of Chicago is allowed to enforce federal transportation laws, but the state of Texas is not allowed to enforce? federal immigration laws. Now, this I don't understand because here's a Chicago alderman who does not have the authority. He's not Wyatt Earp. He doesn't have the authority to enforce federal law. So what's he doing? Is stopping buses who are breaking federal law? I, I'm sorry, that that now, so, so that's okay. So Chicago can do that. That's the Chicago way. But if Texas tries to enforce federal immigration law, the United States Department of Justice will sue them and tell them to cut it out. The city of Chicago or the state of Illinois decides to enforce federal transportation law. And then the feds go, heck of a job. Well done. In fact, we're going to make sure this bus gets a free oil change on the way back to Texas. All right. Keep going, please. Had over 700 buses um, that have arrived but in the last so, year since this crisis started. So I have so many important questions. So I don't mean to cut you off, but. But, I mean, you say drop in the bucket. Drop in the bucket would be going after the, the bus drivers. I mean, are, aren't we talking about a massive crisis at the southern border from from where these these migrants are coming? And, and what is your message on, on the lack of security and the lack of securing the southern border on the part of the federal government? Yeah, absolutely. The federal government has dropped the ball. You know, I've, I've made that clear. I've said that in, in repeatedly since this crisis started. We as a city, the municipal government of Chicago, are not equipped to handle this. We've never been equipped to handle this. We're trying to do the best we can. But when this crisis started over a year ago, we went to the federal government immediately and said, we can't do this. Give but, us funding. So give this- us support. We went to FEMA 
and basically came away empty handed. So that's the source of my impatience. Now, we've been asking for assistance from the federal government to help this crisis on the ground and to secure the border in Texas but, and Arizona. With all due respect, and so far, didn't leadership happened. in your city say we're we're sanctuary city? All are welcome. Wasn't that the message? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you're not hearing that from me. Um, you know, I, I think if we had to vote all over again on authorization for whether Chicago is going to be a sanctuary city, I'm not sure we would be. In fact, we tried to put a referendum on the ballot uh, in, in March coming up to ask the voters, do you want to be a sanctuary city? Uh, and the mayor and his team blocked that effort. So we don't know um, if there's political will to continue being a sanctuary city. But I will say this. Our status as a sanctuary city first was established way back in the 80s. This is not new. We put this flag in the ground long time ago. No one at that time had any idea that it would lead to this today. This was completely unpredicted and it's completely unprecedented. But and if nobody you're not thought enforcing laws at the border, mean I mean, what did what did people expect to happen? If we could do it all over again, I'm not so sure we would do it that way. But then again. What can I tell you? At the time, it sounded like a good idea. You know, it sounded like a good idea at the time. And how many times have we in our own personal lives have that moment where we think to ourselves, well, sure sounded like a good idea at the time, but then we regret it years later. See, the reason why it sounded like a good idea at the time is because Chicago never thought that at any point they would get busloads of illegal immigrants showing up in their city. And now that all these people are showing up, they're going, uh, this is not okay. Again, it's like you've, you extend the invitation to your neighbor. Drop by any time. Sounds like a good idea at the time. Maybe you're having a little wine. It, you feel good. You know, the dopamine's flowing. Like, hey, anytime. You got an open invitation. Stop by anytime. And then one day your neighbor just, you know, knocks on the door and say, hey, we, you said come by anytime. And the, you in your mind at that moment go, why did I say that at the time? Because at the time, it sounded like a good idea. Well, now this guy's standing there. You got nothing. You know, you don't have any stuffed shells. You got, uh, you, you got no nothing. And it's awkward. It's very awkward. Well, this is busloads of people who you told to drop in at any time, showing up, and now you don't want them here. And the only reason why these cities ever became sanctuary cities in the first place was because of the fact that they never thought they'd come. So it's easy to make an open invitation for somebody if you never think they're going to take you up on it. I mean, how many times do you have a shore? If people, if you have a shore house, you probably have done this before to people, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Come bring the family and the kids and stay for a week. We'd love to have you. You don't mean it. And then when I show up with my kids for a week to stay at your shore house, you're you're turning around going, oh, you know, so uh, this well, this is a bad week. It turns out we got to have the house knocked down. And completely rebuilt. We got uh, black mold and uh, sea salt in the air, and we got and and um, nuclear waste in the basement. So, um, can we pick a different week? It's awkward, but you invited me and the kids to stay with you for a week. Well, this is a long time, you know. But at the time, the sanctuary cities thought this is perfect. We're Chicago. We're thousands of miles away from the border. We can look really woke and virtue signal. And Philadelphia did the same thing. We are a sanctuary city. Yeah, never thinking that they would come here because the border is so far away. And if I don't have to see it, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to look at it. I don't have to worry about it. 
You stay in Texas where you belong, damn it. That's what's happening right now. It's total buyer's remorse. But again, these are just, uh, these are just people with, with children and families who just need a place to come, and we should be hospitable and open to them. And yet, all these Democrat mayors don't want them. They're very upset. Here's the mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas, a Democrat named Rolando Salina. Rolando Salina, a Democrat, met with uh, CNN's Anderson Cooper and uh, concludes that people need to be deported right away. It's a mess. It's a disaster. Cut number two. The visit by Speaker Johnson's delegation, was it productive? I think it was productive. It's always good to have members of Congress here in Eagle Pass to see the situation, to see what's going on. But what's more important is if we see actual actions come of these meetings. We've had a lot of people visiting here in Eagle Pass, but we want to see action. Right now, the the way this is... What kind of action do you want? I mean, as a mayor, what I've seen here, I see thousands of people coming in without consequence. So what I want to see is a system where you detain people, and if they don't qualify for asylum, you deport them right away. Right now, what's happening is that they detain people, and they release them into an NGO here in Eagle Pass, and then they're all over in the U.S. We need an orderly system where you're deporting people that come here illegally and don't qualify for asylum immediately instead of having this approach of come one come all that's what we've been seeing here in eagle pass a city of twenty-seven thousand people and we don't have the resources to sustain this problem i mean the asylum system is completely off the rails it's completely broken in this country i mean it will take years for the people who are crossing over today some of whom will claim asylum unless they can prove ultimately in a court that they were persecuted for some specific reason um if they're just economic migrants that's not a claim a legitimate claim of asylum and yet they can be here for years legally not able to work it's such a broken system there's not enough judges it's ridiculous it's a broken system but you see that's the thing the system may be broken but the border is what we're talking about here The system is wholly different. You know, that's completely different from the border. The border is a national security issue. The system that you deal with people once they get into the country is entirely different. But there is an actual way to deal with people. It's called they enter through a legal port of entry and then you deal with them when they're here. That's what you do. And you treat it that way because if they don't follow that, then they're breaking the law. It's not, you see, it's not legal to just walk into the United States of America. You have to do it through a port of entry. You have to claim asylum at a United States port of entry. A border crossing. You can't just come in. You're not supposed to just walk in. That's not how this works. But again, it does in Nikki Haley's mind. Here's Nikki Haley again, just in case you're wondering, or you just got in your car and you refuse to hit the Odyssey Rewind button. Here's Nikki Haley defending illegal immigrants and telling you it's wrong to use mean words. Cut number seven. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. Oh, they're not criminals, except for the thing about the whole, the whole crime of crossing the border illegally, which makes them... A criminal. But again, as I said earlier, as long as you have children, 
you cannot be classified as a criminal under President Nikki Haley's executive order number one, which she will sign. And I will support that because I have three children and I am one drink away from becoming a criminal all the time or one paycheck away from becoming a criminal all the time, considering the state of certain financial affairs. And you know what, Matt DeSantis, since you and Henry Machette don't have children, you're taking the fall for me. You two are going down. Uh, When we commit the crime of bank robbery, and we're going to be damn good at it, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to wear Joker masks. We're going to hit a mob bank (laughs) in broad daylight. I'm just thinking this through. With shotguns. And um, we're all going to take each other out so that only I have the money at the end. So you kill Henry, (laughs) and then Henry kills you, and then I take all the money. I, I've got some serious reservations. First, and, and of all, then both of you will go to jail because you don't have children. Can we? Can we just? Do, can we do like an Ocean's Eleven thing instead, where we all, you know, get off scot free with all the money? Oh, you want to? You want to rob a, hit a casino? Yeah, I, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's more money, I think. Yeah, let's do that. Let's hit. A, let's let's lock over a casino in uh, Atlantic City. I'm down. The original Ocean's Eleven took place in Atlantic City. Let's do it there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, who thinks about stealing Atlantic City casinos? Nobody no, even thinks about going to no, them, let alone stealing Vegas. Them. Yeah, right. The perfect crime. Yeah. Actually, let's see if we can rob parks. That's closer. <laughs> it's right down the street. <laughs> Save money on gas. That's a good point. See, call Mike Baldini. See if he wants in on this. <laughs> I'll cut him in. I'll make not like not as an equal partner, but I'll give him like a ten percent finder's fee if he cuts this in. Uh, but again, if you have children, you're not a criminal because you just want a better life for your kids. All right. So yeah, you're knocking off casinos, and you know what I mean. One quick question I have is: when you're robbing a casino, are the drinks free? I suppose if you can grab one on the way out. I guess you could, yeah. right? Yeah, but you still have the tip of cocktail waitresses, don't you think? Yeah, it'd be rude if you didn't. I agree. I mean, you know, you're running out the door, you got a mask on, you got a mask of President Nixon on or something. You're running out the door and then... But the Ocean's Eleven model is good because in that case, we walk away scot-free and we do it several more times until we get replaced by women who then <laughs> do it for us and then make no money. <laughs> That, of course, is the Ocean's 8 remake, which was one of the worst movies ever. When they decided, of course, we have to have female robbers, bank robbers, or casino robbers. Because it's time that casino robbery was told through the lens of a female. Am I right? Inspired by Disney and Woke and Star Wars, they said it's time that knocking over a casino was done through the eyes of a woman. So we'll have Ocean's 8 with eight women all robbing a casino. Yes. And the only redeeming virtue of that movie was Sandra Bullock. Yes? This this is the second day in a row you've brought up a movie that I've seen that I have no recollection of the plot. Because <laughs> it was not good. I remember Rihanna was in it, and that's about it. It was not Eight good. Ball. We need to replace the entire cast with women for equality's sake as they knock over a casino. And I think one of them was Danny Ocean's cousin, wasn't it? I think one of the yeah, broads Sandra played Bullock. Bullock. Sandra yeah. Bullock was Danny Ocean's she cousin. And Debbie obviously, Ocean. Right, what was it? Debbie Ocean. She was Debbie Ocean. Yeah. yeah. And, and obviously, you know, casino robbery runs in the family. It's genetic. <laughs> uh, all right. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Listen, for years, you know, I've been telling you about the great work that my friends Stephanie and Matt and the entire team at Emmons have done for me in my home. Well, now Emmons can bring that same quality of work to all of your kitchen and bathroom remodeling needs as well. And we used Emmons to remodel our kitchen and our bathroom, and they did a beautiful, beautiful job. You can see all their great remodeling work at the Emmons Design Showroom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, or... 
by going to EmmonsRemodeling.com. Emmons has truly become your one-stop shop for roofing, siding, windows, solar, and now baths and kitchens. Trust the team I've used for over six years in the home that I had before and the home that we own now. They do phenomenal work, and they serve our entire region, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and the Jersey Shore. Matt and Stephanie and the entire team are committed to your satisfaction. So call them today at 856-556-3229 for a free estimate, 856-556-3229, or online at emmonsroofing.com. Emmonsroofing.com, make sure you tell them I sent you. You will be so thrilled with the work that they do. And remember, if you have a shore house, get that roof inspected now. You know, bad weather on the way and the winter's tough on shore homes. Emmons will give you a free consultation. They'll never tell you you need a new roof if you don't. But if you do, you're going to get a lifetime warranty on that roof and you're going to be thrilled with the work that they do. Emmonsroofing.com. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. I uh, misspoke. <clears throat> I have to do a... Uh, Whenever I get something wrong, I always quickly try to bring it to light. So as I do my social media check-in, courtesy of our friends at Cherry Hill Vava, where relationships matter, Johnny Cook reminding me the original Ocean's Eleven took place in Las Vegas. The Rat Pack would be ashamed of you. Yes, the Rat Pack would be very ashamed of me. I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I've been watching too much Boardwalk Empire and thinking of Nookie. Uh, an exile in Jersey says, I have Nikki Haley's new campaign slogan. I'm Jeb in a dress. <clears throat> Immigrants are more fertile. <laughs> Good point. Uh, and great suggestion by Cosmo and Buddy. The three of us, actually. Why don't you guys rob Rivers Casino? You know, Krasner is a DA. If you get caught, you're not going to get prosecuted. Oh, that is a good point. It's a very good point. Well, I wanted to rob Parks because they're a sponsor. (laughs) Give them first crack. Right. I I feel obligated to that. You know, I think it's important to use our sponsors as much as possible. But uh, if they say no, then, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, they, we'll give them first dibs. If they say no, you can't rob our casino, then we'll rob Rivers. That'll that'll, that'll work out well. <laughs> uh, let's see. Fisher Pine says there's a new Oceans movie in the works that will be filmed in Atlantic City, Rich. It's called No Whales in My Ocean. But I'm bummed. I like that. That's good. It's Oceans 11 No Whales in My Ocean. Very good. Oh, well, that was your social media check in courtesy of our friends at Cherry Hovava, where relationships matter. We always appreciate their support of the show. Uh, at 4.05, I'm going to talk to my buddy Jennifer Stefano. She has a piece out about three things that Sherelle Parker must do immediately in the city of Philadelphia. I do want to play, though, a clip for you on this issue of immigration before we go to break, and it's this. It is uh, Governor Greg Abbott, who was on with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino today on Fox News. By the way, don't forget, before break, I was on Dana Perino's podcast, Perino on Politics. If you missed it, please go back and listen to it. It was a, a great conversation with my my friend Dana, she's you know super smart when it comes to politics and everything, for pretty much. But uh, it was a real joy to be on with her that day, to be on her podcast as a guest. So please take a listen to that, Perino on Politics. It was not this week. It was the week before uh, Christmas. Texas Governor Greg Abbott was on the show today. This is what he said, cut three. Well, Dana, something has been revealed during this entire episode, and that is the, the very real hostility that Democrats have against illegal immigrants. You know, they, they profess to be sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. They want to welcome them in until they actually do come in. 
And then when they come in, they say, no, 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 we don't want them here. We want to send them back to Texas. They're for illegal immigration, as long as it's Texas and the border states that have to deal with that illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. Second, Dana, it's absurd to think that New York doesn't have the room for it, or New Jersey doesn't have the room for it. They think Eagle Pass or Del Rio, Texas has the room for it. Now, we have uh, more people coming across our border every single day uh, than what New York gets in a week or a, a month. Mm -hmm. And so it's outrageous uh, that they're saying uh, that they cannot deal with this. Good for him for saying this. And he's exactly right. And that's it. They're for illegal immigration as long as border states just don't have to ever, you know, as long as it's only in border states. That's it. You keep them there and we're fine with open borders. The minute they come to our cities, that's when we say hell no. And he slammed Mayorkas about what's causing the climate crisis, the uh, migrant crisis, excuse me, after that idiot, the Homeland Security Secretary, tried to blame it on climate change. Cut number four. And one last quick question. Secretary Mayorkas blamed December's record border crossings on climate change. Has that been your experience from what you've heard? Uh, Dana, listen, the only uh, change in climate uh, has been the climate of enforcing immigration laws. Once again, once again, Trump enforced the immigration laws that led to uh, a record low number of people coming across the border. Uh, when Joe Biden came into office and when Mayorkas came into office, uh, they eliminated enforcement of immigration laws. That change in climate is what led to the all-time record-breaking number of people crossing the border illegally. It's not climate change. It's something else. All right, 855-839-1210. Coming up, how do you clean up a city like Philadelphia? Can it be done? And what does it say for the rest of America if the new Democrat mayor says we got to get tough on crime? Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. So the new mayor wants to clean up the city. Good for her. The commissioner says he's going to do it, and the mayor says she has his back 1,000%. But can it be done, considering Larry Krasner is a district attorney and will fight them at every turn? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, as we kick off a Thursday edition of the show. Great to have you with us today, and always a pleasure to welcome to the show my friend Jennifer Stefano. Jennifer Stefano, of course, is well known throughout the region from being on Fox News with me. But she's also the executive vice president of the Commonwealth Foundation and a columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hello, Jennifer. Happy New Year. Hello, Mr. Zioli. Happy New Year. How's your mom? You? Mom's doing great. She's Excellent. doing great. She missed. I was on Fox the other day, and she said, "But where was Rich Zioli?" I said, "I'm sorry to." Have disappointed you, Mom. Now, see, I was uh, on I Fox on New Year's Day, and and you were not there. So you were. What is I know. this? Why are they splitting us up? Why are they breaking up the band? What's going on here? They they shouldn't. But I think it's so interesting that my mother's more more upset that I'm on without you. She's fine that you go on alone. It's that when I go on and you're not there, she's. Concerned. 
So I think we know who the favorite child is. Right now. It's you. <laughs> Very good. I love it. Uh, well, there you you wrote a piece. Uh, it's an excellent piece. Three things that Mayor Sherelle Parker must do immediately. And let's start with that, right? I mean, I, I, I really liked her inauguration speech. I thought she said the right things. I, I love the executive order she signed, declaring a public safety emergency and saying we've got to crack down on open-air drug markets in Kensington, got to deal with the ATVs, got to deal with retail theft, got to deal with all these things. What does she need to do, though, to make it actually happen? Right. Well, there, there's one underlying problem here. Well, there's two, but the DA, Larry Krasner, doesn't want to prosecute crime. So she can say we have to do something about this, and she can certainly empower the police to do something about it. But what is going to happen, what it has happened, is these criminals or alleged are going to be put into the system and crime is going to say, I'm not going to prosecute it, or I'm going to give them a slap on the wrist. And then it creates this perpetual cycle of degradation of our city. Now, what does that lead to? Of the many ills it leads to, we don't have a police force in the city of Philadelphia. This time last year, uh, the head of the FOP said they were down 1,000 to 1,200 police officers, Rich. And he said about 15 to 20 were going out every day due to retirement or injury. So what does that tell you? We have an enormous gap. You could be down by about 2,000 officers citywide, right, according to what the FOP policeman said, and if you do some of the math. So she has to start publicly using that bully pulpit to be, make Larry Krasner what he is, which is public enemy number one. He's the problem. He's why we one of the many reasons we can't get good cops or cops to come into the city, people who want to become police officers. He also won't prosecute the crime. So what, number one, step one, she has got to go after him. She's got to make this public. She's got to start highlighting this problem. Yeah, no, she absolutely does. And that and and I'm glad to see that the governor of Pennsylvania and the Democrat legislature passed a law that really did strip some of Larry Krasner's powers by saying that that if it, a crime happens near SEPTA, he, there'll be a special prosecutor. He was furious about that. But it says a lot that it was a Democrat governor that signed it into law. So maybe if if Sherelle Parker as the mayor does challenge Larry Krasner, she'll at least maybe have a friend in Governor Josh Shapiro and they can actually maybe do something about it. They have to become more vocal. They have to be more vigorous. They cannot allow this to stand because what it, it's demoralizing. If you look at, at black and Hispanic voters and the low, low turnout amongst black and Hispanic voters in the last election, I think you have an enormous problem. Um, they're just not showing up. In, 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 and I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons. A lot of people have a lot of different theories, but certainly the idea that nothing's ever going to change, that guys like Krasner, Soros, George Soros funded guys like Krasner are going to be in there forever. And I think what, what they need to do is make a public spectacle of, of his refusal to prosecute crime. And I think this stuff about SEPTA, it's, it's, it's just a Band-Aid. It, it's not the solution. And, and he's freely elected, but they have to directly address this on a more consistent basis, also to show the police that they see the problem, that they see how demoralizing it is to put your life on the line to catch a criminal only to put him into the system, and he's back out on the street. Well, now the cop's life's at risk. So the question that a, a police officer would have to ask is, why am I going to risk my life knowing Krasner's not going to do anything about it? I think that's a huge part of the problem um, with the police um, and not being able to recruit new people. 
Yeah, well, no, no doubt about it. I mean, a lot of people, you, you have to wonder why they'd want to be a cop in the city knowing that the city is, is targeting them. I mean, hopefully that'll change now that there's a new commissioner and a new mayor who says that she wants to support the police. So hopefully that will change because Philadelphia cops are great and they deserve the support of the mayor and they deserve to have a police commissioner who's actually going to look out for them. And that's clearly what, not what Daniel Outlaw was. So, you know, good riddance to that. All right. Now, you also talk about Jennifer Stefano. We, we have to stop businesses from fleeing the city how do we do that, especially considering that, uh, you know, there's a lot of businesses that are still vacant post-COVID and employees don't want to come in because of crime. How do we keep businesses here in the city of Philadelphia? So I think what, what Sherelle Parker has to recognize is that the city of Philadelphia is just hostile to small businesses. You know, they'll cater and, and bend over backwards for corporation. You know, our state gives out corporate welfare. It's 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 ridiculous. But you know, you can't just rely on the Comcast of the world to take care of things. There's people who want to run a corner bodega. There's, there's, there's the little guy that may one day be, you know, Jeff Bezos or create Amazon or be the next Bill Gates. But, you know, right now he or she's starting a bodega and they're just making it impossible. So we address the one issue, crime. But the other thing is, why do people want to start a business and work in the city, particularly start a business and, and not be able to recruit employees because of the city wage tax? It's a huge problem, and it just screams anti-business. And so people go outside of, of Philadelphia. And I think this is another two-prong approach because Governor Shapiro promised to speed up um, the, the reduction of the corporate tax rate. Right now, we're one of the highest corporate tax rates in the world. The, the Republican legislature voted to um, roll that back. However, however, it's going to be over a 10-year period. That has got to speed up if we're going to remain competitive as a state and if we're ever going to save our cities. Philadelphia has got to get on par with more competitive cities like in Florida, like the Miamis of the world. Yeah, it's it, it, it's a real problem. And then, as you pointed out the other day on Twitter, Jennifer Stefano, you have people not just leaving Philadelphia, but leaving Pennsylvania. I mean, U-Haul was out with their list and and, and we ranked very high for people leaving the state but particularly the city. And, and then there's the other problem, too, which is the tourism factor. I was with some friends on New Year's Day. We were, we were hanging out. We were talking about, hey, you know, let's do a big group get-together kind of a thing. And nobody wanted to come into the city. They, they just didn't want to do it. They were like, well, let's just, you know, stay in the burbs. That's a problem. You know, if people don't want to come in and spend their money here, they don't want to catch a show or go out to dinner, go out for drinks or something, that's, that's just going to keep adding to, to the problem, the economic problem of Philadelphia. And yeah, you know, to your point about the little guy with the bodega, I still remember all those guys with the food trucks and the little pop-up, you know, halal food that we used to have outside of 400 Market Street. We were down there with the old studio. A lot of those guys got shuttered by COVID. I mean, their businesses were destroyed and they still haven't come back fully. So it's it's a big problem. And there are regulations that could be rolled back tomorrow. I mean, you could roll back food truck regulations tomorrow. That would do a lot to even just spur that business, if nothing else. That's right. It's really hostile. And and, and the city council has run, a, run amok. We know this. The Helen Yim city council, the left-wing progressives, it's, it's just, they're ruinous. And then they wonder, you know, they have all these great ideas for social programs. Well, who would stick around to pay for that? Why would people stay to pay for that? And there, there becomes the problem. When you lose your middle class, when you lose your upper middle class, and you start to have a problem. And that goes to my third point, Rich. 
education. The mayor has an enormous amount of sway over education, not just in Philadelphia, but she can influence what's happening at the state level. I was pleased in her speech, her inaugural speech, where she did not demonize the private sector. She she spoke to charter schools. She spoke to the parochial schools and other private schools serving the city, some of the city's most vulnerable children. And she said, you know, we can't other them. Um, we're all together on this. We have to take responsibility and do what we must on public education. But we have to make sure the other sectors are vibrant, too. That's why I think this mayor should appoint um, a school board that is not anti-charter. I think you should appoint a school board that is, by law, legally, at the, by the state, it is empowered to give scholarships to children want, that want to go elsewhere. She should put a board on that will give children that want to go out there scholarships from the district. And she should be a leading advocate for Lifeline scholarships because, Rich, of the 250,000 kids in the state of Pennsylvania, it would help. Guess where the majority of them reside? Guess where? Philadelphia. In, there it is. Look at in me. I What I win? You're the genius. And guess <laughs> what, Rich? The majority of those kids are, are low-income children. They're children of color. They deserve opportunity, too. Jennifer Stefano is my guest, executive vice president of the Commonwealth Foundation and columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, three things Mayor Sherelle Parker must do immediately. Let's come back to crime for a moment, right? Because as you think about the open air drug markets in Kensington and these videos have gone internationally viral where you you just people have just shown the videos of these open air drug markets and and people walking around like zombies and it looks like something out of a movie. But. Where Kensington is, you know, bordering Kensington are a couple of neighborhoods that have been completely regentrified, Fishtown and Northern Liberties. Kensington has not because Mayor Jim Kenney refused to do anything about the open air drug markets because he was a guy that wanted safe injection sites. So, I mean, let's face it, he was he was okay with with what was going on there. And so that area of Philadelphia has never been able to turn itself around and the bordering areas of it. Of Kensington, they've got new housing going in. There's restaurants going in. There's bars going in. Uh, it's been a transformation. It's possible it could happen, but the first thing you have to do is tackle a drug problem. Has to be number one, and it's not super easy to do considering that we have this opioid crisis and a wide open southern border where you've got this invasion going on, and China brings opioid, you know, brings the fentanyl to Mexico. The drug cartels put it together and then smuggle it up here to places like Philadelphia, and so this problem is going to take a, a lot of work to tackle, but it has to be done. Yeah. Oh, Rich, you are completely correct. You know, I've, I've gone down and, and visited the open-air drug market. Um, you know, I'm a columnist. That means I get to give my opinion. But I'm also, that requires me to be a reporter, too. So I've been visiting Kensington. And it's, you know, you're taking your life into your hands when you do it. But it, 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 I can tell you one thing that we have to start to have a constructive dialogue about and this is not partisan but when you and you can people can watch the videos and i certainly have watched hours of them but even when you're down there there people are not in control of themselves their faculties or and they clearly cannot make decisions on their own behalf they are jeopardizing their own lives and I think there has to start to be discussions about these individuals coming under guardianship. And, and I am a believer in individual rights and liberty, but there are clearly sensible 
moments that we have to be sensible and recognize these people are not capable of making decisions and they have to be put under a guardianship. They're, they're, they're likely we have to think institutional and other resources, but the idea you're just going to let them sit there and continue to destroy themselves is unconscionable. And, and honestly, they, the drug deal life has to be made hard for the drug dealers. They have to be constantly on the lookout. They have to constantly be concerned. And those things do matter. If you look at both anecdotal evidence and some of the data enforcement and going after these dealers matters. But again, that only works. It's not just the police. It's that there has to be in the criminal justice system consequences. And there's just not right now because of Krasner. And, and again, from prevention, it goes back to education. When you're in a failing school like Bartram High that has zero reading and math proficiency every year, you're in and you're out, what are the opportunities? What are you going to turn to? I mean, I think this is all, it's one issue, Rich, when you think about it. It all comes back to one thing. So it's, it, it, it's the true tragedy of a prosperous nation that we just allow this to continue. It's, it's shameful. It's, it's the end game of progressive ideology. Oh, no, no doubt about it. And uh, Larry Krasner, as you point out, and you've pointed out many times, is a George Soros-funded prosecutor, and it needs to be said that George Soros is backing these people because he's a Marxist, and Larry Krasner is a Marxist, and these are people that believe criminals are the victims, they are the victims of society's largesse and capitalism, and we can't be prosecuting criminals since it's not their fault. And that mindset and mentality has led to the destruction of beautiful cities across this country, particularly the city of Philadelphia. Jennifer Stefano, always a pleasure, my friend. Keep up the great work, and we will have you on again very, very soon. And hopefully we'll be back on Fox News again together because they got to they got to keep the band together. You know what I'm saying? I know. But Rich Dioli, you're still my mother's favorite child. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. As long as you're on Fox News, she's happy. So be blessed. You do magnificent on radio, on TV. You're the best. Thank uh, you you're me. making me blush, Jennifer. Thank you, my friend. We will talk again soon. Happy New Year. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Zioli Show. 
on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Always great to have you with us today. We'll talk about the economy a little bit later in the show with our buddy Dr. E.J. Antoni. Some breaking news for you, though, that the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, is now suing 17 charter bus companies for $700 million for transporting migrants to New York City. These people are amazing. Are they not? They're amazing. They, all these Democrats who were open borders, sanctuary city people, now the people are actually coming to their places where they live, they, they want them gone. And now they are taking whatever legal action they can do to try to stop this. This is a story from CBSNews.com. In a stunning and unexpected move to stop Texas Governor Greg Abbott, the devil himself, from shipping busloads of migrants to New York City, Mayor Eric Adams filed suit against 17 charter bus companies used by the Lone Star State. He wants the bus companies to reimburse the city for the hundreds of millions of dollars it has cost to shelter them. You know, I'm wondering when the federal government's going to start stopping these buses on 95 or whatever they are, whatever highway they're using, and uh, start just impounding them. I, I'm, I'm wondering when that's going to happen. It'll happen soon. There's no, no question in my mind about that. The minute that they leave Texas and cross state lines, that's when the feds will swoop in and demand everybody get off and they'll impound the buses. And it'll happen. It's only a matter of time. Oh, please. This government. They love to impound things. They love to, to take people's property and they love to interfere with with uh, the actions of a state like Texas. So they'll do that at some point very soon. Maybe today. Who knows? And the lawsuit now by New York City targets 17 companies and seeks at least seven hundred eight million dollars. The city has spent on providing shelter and services to the asylum seekers. The city alleges that Abbott's policy of transporting more than 33,000 migrants to New York City since the spring of 2022 without having the companies that transport those asylum seekers pay for their continued care is a violation of New York's social services law. What? Now, just think about that for a moment. How many people take buses into the city of New York on a daily basis? I mean, what? I mean, thousands of people do every day. I don't know how many people are still going to the office in New York City, but thousands of people do. How many people take the train or the bus to New York City, either for a meeting or to see a show or whatever? I mean, I'm, I, how many people do that every day? Are Is the bus company that transports them obligated to pay for their food and their housing while they're in New York City? They go for a weekend. Out of curiosity, if they go for a weekend to catch a play and something like that. Or they got a business conference at the Javits Center. Does this, the bus company have to foot that bill too? I mean, talk about a stretch here. The Adams administration says the law requires, quote, any person who knowingly brings or causes to be brought a needy person from out of state into this state for the purpose of making him a public charge shall be obligated to convey such person out of state or support him at his own expense. <laughs> that is a that is quite the law right there. I'd like to see that 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 law challenge on constitutional grounds. New York City has and always will do our part to manage this humanitarian crisis, but we cannot bear the costs of reckless political ploys from the state of Texas alone. Today's lawsuit should serve as a warning for all those who break the law in this way. Governor Abbott continues to use human beings as political pawns 
And it's about time the companies facilitating his actions take responsibility for their role in the ongoing crisis, said the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. They are getting paid to break the law by transporting people in need of public assistance into our state. They should be on the hook for the cost of sheltering those individuals, not just passing that expense along to hardworking New Yorkers. New York social services law prohibits exactly what these bus companies are doing. Hey, I got a question for all these geniuses, these legal geniuses in in New York. What about the law that the United States government is not enforcing, which is supposed to secure the border? What about the fact that the United States of America went in and stole Texas state property, razor wire, and took it down, well, at least tried to, because the state of Texas was trying to do something to keep people from coming into their state? I mean, how come New York's allowed to keep people out, but Texas can't? This is a question that I have. I mean, really, from a legal perspective, how come New York State can keep people from coming into its state, but Texas can't keep people from coming into the state of Texas? I'm I'm, I'm curious about that. New York can pass a law that says if you come here, whoever brings you here is on the hook for your bill. Why can't Texas pass a similar law that says anyone who comes here from the state of Texas uh, has to leave. You can't stay. I mean, that's what New York, New York's basically saying the same thing, right? If you can't, if you can't afford to be here, you can't stay. So you have to leave. And it literally says, it specifically says in the law, and this is the key point here, ready? Shall be obligated to convey such person out of state or support him at his own expense. So New York's argument is, if you bring them to our state, you got to foot the bill or you got to get there behind out of New York. All right. Why can't Texas do the same thing? Why can't Texas turn around and say the exact same thing? We are we are now obligated to convey such person out of state because we have to we can't foot the bill. We can't foot the bill and support him at our own expense. So now we are obligated under Texas law to convey such person out of state. Kick, get him out of Texas. How come New York can do it, but Texas can't? So Texas has to absorb anybody that comes to Texas. But if Texas sends those same people to New York, the bus company has to pay because New York doesn't want to foot the bill. Texas has to foot the bill. Interesting. That's a very interesting legal analysis right there by the city of New York. How dare you send these people to us? You are breaking the law, sending these illegal immigrants to New York because they don't have the economic means to make it here. And, you know, they say if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Well, they can't make it there because they don't have the money. So the bus companies now are going to have to foot the bill. Oh, this is amazing. New York social service law prohibits exactly what these bus companies are doing. They're participating in a bad faith plan orchestrated by the state of Texas to shift the costs of care for needy individuals to New Yorkers and overwhelm our social services system. The law is clear. By participating in this reckless scheme, these bus companies take on responsibility for those costs. And the bus companies are just transporting people. Isn't that what bus companies do? Isn't that what any transportation company does? It just transports people? I mean, by that logic, what about an airline company? I mean, honestly, what if somebody gets on a flight and buys a $250 ticket on Delta and then flies to New York state gets to the airport and says, I have no money. I can't make it here. So now you have to take care of me. Is Delta on the hook for that? 
Does the state of New York walk that person back to the terminal and say, get back on the next flight and Delta, you're paying for it? Does the state of New York then turn around and give Delta a bill? I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure, how does that work exactly? There are runaways that come into New York State all the time. My dad used to tell me these stories about them. They come to the Port Authority bus terminal from all over the country. So what happens to the bus companies that brought the runaways? And how are the bus companies supposed to know who the runaways are? And how are we supposed to have like an economic means test now before you can board a bus or a plane or train? An economic means test. I mean, these tickets are not that expensive. You can get a bus ticket to New York from pretty much anywhere in the country for, I don't know exactly how much, but I mean, you could could probably get to New York from most places for under $100, I would imagine, if you're not flying. Maybe if you're flying, a couple hundred bucks gets you to New York from most places. So you don't need more than that. But if you have nothing more than that, how, how, what happens? And should there be an economic means test whereby when you get to the airport or you get to the bus station or you get to the train station, somebody should come out and say, I need to see your bank statement to make sure you're not going to be a burden on the city or the state if you come there. What? I mean, what, why is it just illegal immigrants who have to have this economic means test? Why can't Americans too? Really, what, I mean, what happens if an American citizen decides, you know what, I'm tired of being homeless in Philly. I want to be homeless in New York because at least I may get to see celebrities. Maybe I can catch a Broadway show. Maybe I can get mugged in Times Square. It's always been a dream of mine to poop in the great white way. You know what I mean? Like if I'm homeless, I'm thinking I want to poop on the Great White Way, as they call it. Or I want to, I want to live in Hell's Kitchen because it sounds cool. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to hitch a ride. I'm going to get to New York. Somebody gives, now somebody gives that guy a ride. It drops a homeless person off in New York City. Is that driver now obligated to foot the bill? The guy who uh, gave that guy a ride into New York? Or if the guy was able to buy a cheap bus ticket. There's a bus company. I think it, it's a dollar. To get to New York City from that bus. Right there by 30th Street Station. You, you guys have seen these big buses that come by all the time. And they have these giant, they, they pick up people in Chinatown, in Philadelphia, and 30th Street Station. I took the bus once with Evil Jared, Jared Harder, former program director. He and I one time went to New York together for a talk radio convention, or I forget what it was. Went to Fox News or something. And... Since our company is too cheap to actually pay for us to go, we we decided to just jump on the bus. And I think I honestly think it was a dollar. Maybe it was it was 12 bucks or something. It was a ludicrously low amount of money. And people have like chickens on board the bus. I kid you not. I mean, it was it was like being at a bus stop in Calcutta, India, being on this thing. But got I got there. So and there was no economic means test. So now all these people get off in Chinatown in New York City and they don't have any money. Is the, is the mega bus that picks people up in Philly, are they on the hook for this? Do they have to pay for everybody now or take them home, get them out of here? And what happens if it's a foreigner that comes into the country out of curiosity by, by his own means? Some person who doesn't have a lot of money from Italy, you know, buys a ticket to New, to, to New York State, to New York City, lands at JFK Airport from Fumancino Airport and gets there. Gets through customs, gets through immigration, walks in the airport and goes, excuse me, I have no money. Huh? Who's going to take care of me now? Now, what happens? Does the, now does the Air Italia have to now pay for that guy? Does the Vatican pay? Who pays? I mean, this is absurd. This is absurd. So now before you enter the state of New York, you have to have an economic means test. Really? Because how, are you el- how else are you supposed to know 
under this law, which I think is completely absurd. But think about this. Think about the law here. Let's just talk about the context of this. If any person knowingly brings or causes to be brought a needy person from out of state into this state for the purpose of making him a public charge. Well, I didn't know the person was going to be a public charge. I didn't know the person was uh, was a needy person. How am I supposed to know that? So now as the carrier of a private transportation company, I am now what obligated to ask for bank statements. I got to I got to run uh, run a FICO score on all my passengers. Is that what I got to do? So I'm Greyhound. I'm Greyhound bus now. I, I before before we leave uh, the bus station in in Trenton, I got to ask everybody on there. I'm sorry for the interruption, but I don't want to be accused of bringing any needy people into the city of New York. So I need to run everybody's FICO score. I'm sorry, sir. You're gonna have to leave the bus. You are a credit risk. And while you're at it, I need to see copies of your bank statements and credit card debt too. Got to make sure you're not going to be a public charge. It's absurd. It's really, it's just, this is lunacy, what the city of New York is doing. And the bottom line is that the people they should be angry about are not the governor of Texas. They should be angry at the United States of America. As in the Biden administration for allowing this, this invasion of our southern border to occur. But this is absurd. You're going to go after the bus companies for bringing people in? This is, this is nuts. Uh, let me go to Joe is in uh, Norristown. Joe, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. Yeah, uh, two things. Uh, one, you say I'm like you're a pimp or something because you don't want, you know, the law was instated to keep pimps and stuff from trafficking women and girls into the state. So it sounds like you're all for that. But two, why don't you just ask these countries where they're coming from? Whoa, they can whoa, pay hey, the bill. whoa, whoa, they whoa, whoa. Hey, right? hey, 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 let's back up there, Chief. I'm all for trafficking women into the state of New York. Well, that's what the law was instated for. The, well, the, war, the law research. says nothing oh, about Listen trafficking. Listen to your dad. Okay. Listen to your dad. Okay. How about I, that? I, I, that's about, what he told about, you about. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to try to explain this to you in a way that you can be polite and not interrupt. The law doesn't say anything about human trafficking. The law specifically says that they're citing here making somebody a public charge, a needy person making him a public charge. This is nothing about trafficking or underage trafficking or human trafficking or sexual trafficking or pimps and hoes or anything else. Go ahead. Uh, you think not? I just read the law to you. I just told you the what this is. I just... That's sh- your interpretation of the law. Okay, where, okay I'm going to put you on hold again. Where in the law that I just shared with you does it say anything about sex trafficking? The, I'm going to quote you the law one more time. Any person who knowingly brings or causes to be brought a needy person from out of state into this state for the purpose of making him a public charge shall be obligated to convey such person out of state or support him at his own expense. Now, Joe, I'll ask you one more time. Then where in that, where person, in that state a needy person is now a prostitute? Would be would be a child. Okay. Right? A child. That, okay, got it. A runaway. This is sex trafficking. Runaway. Okay. So I support sex right? trafficking. Very good. Anything That's else? That's what the law was insated for. Okay, very good. Anything else? You don't think so, but look it up. Okay, I'll look Back it up. I, I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to get. I'm going to hang up on you and look it up. Anything else? Uh, how about you get these countries that are coming from to pay for the bill, like Trump said? <laughs> That's cute. Why doesn't your president do something about it when uh, close the why border? Why the Republicans sign the immigration bill? What's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, General Fugazi. Bye-bye. <laughs> Boy, happy hour came early today for Joe, huh? I'll tell you what. Where's he hanging out? I want to go there. <laughs> Man. 
What a delight. Dude really did like a playground like mocking you thing. He did. Yeah, he did a playground mocking. That's crazy. Can we can we grab some of that? Like I'd like to get I'd like to gar- sure. grab some of that mocking. Yeah. Sometimes I want to mock myself and I think I could use Joe. I'm having a bad day. That would be a good drop actually. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha ha, General Fugazi. It's Fugazi <laughs> by the way. Not Fugazi. If you're gonna if you're gonna use my people's terms, at least get it right, Joe. Joe probably likes pineapple on his pizza. How much you want to bet? <laughs> Guarantee it. He probably sees it and goes, ah ha, I'm drinking pineapple. Ha 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 ha. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Uh eight five five eight three nine twelve ten. Um oh no, don't tell them that. My I'm gonna kill my wife. Eric's in Doylestown. Hello, Eric, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I'm doing better now, Eric, that you're on the phone and Joe's not. So what's up? I hate uh, a solution for how they can get around with New York uh, not taking these asylum seekers. Go ahead. I, um, just uh, most of them are men coming into the country. Right. Just say that they're transitioning into a woman, uh, a woman and they need an abortion and New York. When the Supreme Court ruled that um, earlier about the abortion issue, New York said that they would make it easy for anybody to go to that state and get an abortion. So you're just dropping them off. That's all you're doing. I like it. I like it. They just say that they're pregnant women and they need abortions. And then how can New York challenge that? That's right. Then they'll have to come out. Then their logic falls apart. Yeah, just say I'm fleeing Texas because I want an abortion, and I'm actually yeah. a woman. I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a pregnant woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if I, I ident- if I identify as a pregnant woman, how can they keep me out? I'm fleeing Texas because I fear for my life because I can't get mm-hmm. an abortion there. That's a good. Yeah. I like it, Eric. You may have yeah. just saved these people's lives. You are a compassionate man. You know that. I try to be. You are a great I- American. If I can quote the former host in this time slot. Please do. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Eric. You have a great day, my friend. Joe is in Columbus, New Jersey. Hello, Joe. Hey, good afternoon, Rich. How are you? Good, buddy. How you doing? Okay. Instead of asking all these questions about Adams' hypocrisy, why don't we go on the offensive and say, you know what, Mayor Adams, you facilitated this migration. You promulgated it. You, you, you let it happen. You've welcomed them with open arms. Now you're stuck with them. Instead of saying why, how, try and get into his head, which he doesn't deserve, go after him. And this is what you facilitated. You brought these people in here. Come to my city. This is your fault, your problem. Shut up. Mm -hmm. We got to go on the offensive, Rich. Yeah, listen, I I 100% agree with you. And and I've been saying these are, are, you cause this problem. You Democrats cause this problem. You people have done this. But this well, law that to, they're using in court is absurd, Joe. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it very much. You have a great day. This this law is absurd. Texas, I mean, to think that New York City has the right to stop private vehicles from entering its state, but Texas does not have the right to arrest people who enter the state illegally. Because you know what's going to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen right now. New York City, they've they've already signed a law to restrict buses from even coming into the city. Right? So you are now blocking interstate commerce. This this is going to this is going to think of the think of the legality of this. The state of New York is is blocking these buses from coming into their state. That is interfering with interstate commerce. 
whether you like the passengers on there or not is is not that's not the issue. You you don't have the right to stop a bus and go who's on here. You know why? Because what happened if a state did that and said, "Oh, you have black people on here?" Well, you have to turn the bus around and leave. You're not allowed to come into our state. So you can't stop a, a bus from coming and crossing state lines into another state unless you have reason to believe that there's a there's a there's a criminal or something on there. In which case you have a warrant and you can execute a search and you can then remove that passenger. But beyond that, you can't stop interstate commerce. I mean, the state doesn't have the right to do that. But but if we're going to give New York that authority to do that, then why doesn't Texas have the right to arrest people who are in their state illegally? If Adams can block people from coming in, why can't Texas block people from coming in? Texas is trying to block people from coming in from the southern border. New York's trying to stop people from coming in from the George Washington Bridge. So what? So why why is it that the, the city is allowed to stop interstate commerce, but if Abbott does it, then the federal government sues him and says, you are interfering with, with, uh, with America's immigration laws. Well, how come Adams isn't interfering with America's immigration laws by doing that? Or interstate commerce? How come the federal government's not suing him? Amazing. Uh, 855-839-1210 if you want to weigh in. Scott's in Doylestown. Hello, Scott. Hey, Rich. Hey, um, it, it's frustrating day after day seeing the invasion coming across the, the border. Nothing's being done about it, but the reality is um, you hear very little discussion about birthright citizenship. Uh, I really do believe this is the long game. Um, let's just pick a number. 10 million people have come over in the past three years. Um, they have a child. That person's a citizen. They're, they're a citizen. And now it's an anchor baby. And you can't send anyone back because the child's now a citizen. And I really do think this has been well thought out. And it's it's in 20 years, we won't know this. Scott, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, the 14th Amendment was never meant to convey uh, birthright citizenship to people who are not in the United States legally. And the way I know that is because it did not include the children of ambassadors and diplomats and others. You had to be um, uh, in the country of legal status for your children to be counted as citizens. That's what the 14th Amendment's original intent was. All right, more on this. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Coming right back. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Oh, that's glorious. That's glorious. I gotta do it again. <laughs> oh, I'm crying. That's great. <laughs> oh, well done, Henry. Well done. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli if you want to weigh in. Uh, New York City Mayor Eric Adams 
It says some migrants participated in a robbery pattern. He had a press conference that admitted that some of the illegal migrants who have shown up in the city recently are engaging in a robbery pattern. Quote, do I believe that there are some migrants who are committing crimes in the city? Yes, yes. They quickly added that migrants are not the only ones responsible for the city's criminal activities, such as the increase in grand larceny auto. They, there are people who are committing crimes in all walks of life. It's not just migrants and asylum seekers. I think that we have a number of migrants who have committed crimes. We have a number of non-migrants who are committing crimes. And so I do not want to walk away with anyone saying that the GLA, grand larceny auto increase, we saw in the city was just migrants. No, it's not. It was long-term New Yorkers who committed GLAs also. But there are some crimes that migrants have committed. Yes, there are. The reporter pressed Adams on what data he was using to make the claim that migrants had committed crimes. He said the following, quote, there was a robbery pattern, for instance. We identified that this was a robbery pattern. And there were some migrants that participated in that robbery pattern. So there you go. Shocking to imagine that, because, I mean, I, I heard Nikki Haley. I thought they were all just wonderful people. Can we, in fact, can we play Nikki Haley again, Matt DeSantis, if we could, please? I thought, I thought these were all just wonderful people who, who just lo- had families and loved their children. Uh, I'm surprised that they would be committing crimes. This is so shocking to me, actually. Take, take a listen. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They, so we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. You got that, Eric Adams? Huh? You got that, Mayor Adams? I don't want to hear you say these people were part of robbery or grand larceny or anything else. These are these are family. These are families. Damn it, good people with families. Uh, let's go to uh, let's see here. Uh, while Bill is in West Grove, what's up, Wild Bill? Hey, Rich. Happy New Year. As usual, uh, Eric Adams is not on his game like you and your staff are. Um, and for the former caller. Uh, Biden has committed so much trafficking, he makes Epstein look like a uh, Cub Scout for crying out loud. And uh, on the Planned Parenthood commercials, they are an oxymoron, man. I don't see them offering any adoption services anywhere. And if they're taking tax dollars, they should be forced to have to do that. Listen, I am a pregnant woman fleeing Texas for my own safety. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I got you, man. I got you. Thank you, Wild Bill. I appreciate Rich, that. Rich, go ahead. Rich, before you go, I just want to say every time I see you on TV, man, I got to say, you got this sunny Corleone hair going in. It looks great, man. <laughs> Thank you. That is a true compliment, my friend. Uh, you uh, have a great weekend. Happy New Year. I appreciate it, Bill. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, it's um, luckily I don't have Sonny's temper all the time. And unlike Sonny Corleone, I have Easy Pass. Because you know, if Sonny Corleone. <laughs> Thank you for getting that, guys. I appreciate that. What a reference. <laughs> Sonny Corleone at Easy Pass. He'd be alive today, damn it. Uh, Dan, you're in Collegeville. You get the last word on this. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, how you doing? Uh, a friend of mine, she's for open borders, and she called me today, said that she saw on World News tonight, they were saying that 
Biden has the lowest migrant invasion, uh, you know, ever. And uh, I'm like, no, that's a lie. So you see, the news media is spinning this and making him look like, you know, and, and she's like, well, that's what they said. I'm like, no, it's it's false. I mean, it, yeah, no, look, I mean, the, the national corporate media, Dan, is doing their thing. And these, you, you, But luckily, there are some local reporters out there uh, covering for stations, and they're actually bringing the story out. And that's the only reason why we're, we're learning about a lot of this stuff, you know? Yeah, I agree. But it just upset me. Like, here, she's just like a lot of other people watching this national news. And she's like, see, uh, Fox News lied or whatever. And it, it sucks. But anyway, have a happy new year. Thanks, Dan. Keep your chin up, buddy. Don't worry. You have easy pass, too. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. we got 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up straight ahead for you. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli Clinton likes them young. That's right. He likes them young. Anybody surprised by that? We're all very surprised that Stephen Hawking was mentioned in the Epstein documents. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. The A-listers named in the new Jeffrey Epstein documents. More is coming out, and more will come out. It obviously came out late yesterday. And we are following a lot of this for you and have lots of thoughts on this. I I think uh, one of the key things here, of course, is that we know that Bill Clinton is a freaking sleazeball. And we've always known this. I mean, the guy was, you know, preying on White House interns, which I thought was completely inappropriate. I mean, you you know, you you send your your young daughter to the workplace and being a White House intern is an incredible honor. And then to have the president prey on your daughter in the workplace, that was the biggest one of the biggest cases of sexual harassment in American history. Really, think about this. I mean, the, the president of the United States of America, who is hitting on an, an intern. Sexual harassment in the workplace, I know Democrats don't care about it when Democrats do it, but it became a whole big thing. Me too, you know, all that whole thing. And Clinton was the poster child for it. Yeah, but you, you talk about being afraid to say no to your boss because of retaliation. It's the freaking president of the United States of America hitting on you as an intern. You know what I mean? So, but they, but they never cared about anything. As long They knew Bill Clinton was a sleazeball and they didn't care. He was, there was a guy that, I mean, he, you know, he raped a woman, Juanita Broderick and all the other things that Clinton did. And they didn't care because they, and they, the feminists back then who said about him, all I care about is that he's he's uh, pro-choice. That said, he supports abortion. That's all I care about. And uh, the rest we leave aside. They knew who he was. They had comments made back then. You know, James Carville said, if you take a $20 bill through a trailer park, it's amazing what turns up. And yes, the unbiased journalist George Stephanopoulos, who back then was leading 
the uh, talking points for the White House during all of the bimbo eruptions, as it was called, they shamed these women. You know, the, they did a ton of victim shaming on all the women. They were all trailer park trash and bimbos and whores and everything else, right? Because this guy was preying on them and using, he, I mean, he preyed on them as governor of Arkansas. He preyed on them as president of the United States. And he took advantage of them, uh, committed sexual assault, and nothing ever happened to him. And then they had their phony Clinton Foundation, which, which is in a gigantic money laundering embezzlement scam. And the guy is hanging out at Epstein Island, hanging out with everybody. And, you know, he likes him young. More is going to come out about this sleaze ball. I know it will. But I'm telling you, though, it, it, it just shows you the hypocrisy of the left because Bill Clinton and don't and don't tell me that, you know, Bill Clinton at back then, like it wasn't a thing. Of course, of course, it was a thing. I mean, sexual harassment in the workplace was a thing. It wasn't Mad Men in the 1990s. We'd come a long way by then. But it's just that the feminists or the feminazis, as Russ used to call them back then, didn't give a damn. They didn't care. They didn't care. Because as long as Bill Clinton was pro-abortion, that's all they gave a damn about. So they, 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 they would come out and say it. They'd openly say it. You had the uh, Gloria Steinem, I think it was, who came out and said it at the time. I don't care. As long as he's pro-abortion, that's all I care about. All the rest of it, don't worry about it. Leave it alone. So he really likes, he likes him young. You know what I mean? He's, 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 uh, he, he likes him young. Where is he right now, by the way? He's in a small Mexican town. That's where the uh, former president is right now, in a small Mexican town known as San Miguel de Allende in Guanajuato, alongside other tourists. He's in front of a parish. And uh, the mayor of the town welcomed him, saying, even Bill Clinton walks calmly and safely through the streets of San Miguel de Allende, enjoying its unique beauty and the kindness of the people of San Miguel de Allende. Welcome, Mr. President. Juanita Broderick uh, is, a, is a woman who was destroyed by the Clinton team and destroyed by the mainstream corporate media as well because she made accusations against Clinton. And, you know, nowadays it's uh, believe all women, but back then it was don't believe women if they accuse Democrats. It still, it still really is that way today. I mean, it really truly is. But what they did to poor Juanita Broderick is just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's outrageous. And they tried to destroy this woman. And she she said, I'm not going to back down. In fact, she tweeted out the other day. She said, you know, after Bill Clinton viciously raped me, he said, don't worry. I'm sterile due to mumps when I was a boy. Then he told me you'd better put some ice on that, pointing to my swollen and bleeding lip. There are good men. And then there's Bill Clinton. That's what Juanita Broderick tweeted out. Now, if you hold it by the standards of the left, she's to be believed. And I think her story is incredibly credible. But wow, did they try to destroy her? They really did. And then, of course, one of the brilliant things that Trump did was he had a conference with all the women who were Bill Clinton's uh, victims. And I thought that was a stroke of brilliance that Hillary did not like. But their whole marriage was a was a sham and still is a sham, obviously. Uh, 855-839-1210 is the number. We'll talk more about that. But let me go to Tracy. Tracy's in Lansdale. Hello, Tracy. How are you tonight? Hi, Rich. Can you hear me? I sure can. So I know you're just talking about it, but I want to remind you how the left loves to quote the poem on the Statue of Liberty, um, you know, as far as the immigration goes, it says, give me your poor, your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. It doesn't say give me your tired and your financially independent huddled masses. So it's like pick one. Right. I love that 
poem, but the, the poem doesn't back up what the governor of New York is saying. And how many times have Democrats thrown the Statue of Liberty in our face over the years? That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. We need to go back and read that poem, right? Yeah, no, you're exactly <laughs> right. You're 100% right. They they have thrown the Statue of Liberty, not literally in our face because that would hurt, but they have they have the, you know, proverbial you've thrown it in our faces how many times over the years, whenever you've talked about building a wall or, or keeping people out of this country illegally, it's, oh, have you read not read the poem on the Statue of Liberty? And they quote it and they <laughs> recite it. Until it hits their doorstep, right? Exactly. Right. So just want to remind you about that. <laughs> Excellent point, Tracy. Well done. Thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Jim's in Philly. Jim, hello. Hey, Rich. How you doing? Good. How are you, Jim? Good. So I got a question about this, this bus law. So there's this, this, every day around the same time, this yellow bus drops off these needy people at my house. What, what can I do about that? Say, say it again. I'm sorry. Say, say it again. Oh, oh, you mean doing school kids? <laughs> every day. Every, every day. day. At the same time, these needy, these needy kids get dropped off at my house. What can I do? Yeah, it's a great point. I think you got to tell the bus driver he's got to cough up some cash. Uh, I think. I think so. What do you think it's worth? A lot. I know my kids. They don't stop eating, so I think it's worth a lot. You should go out there and tell that bus driver. Say, get these little needy little brats back on that bus, or you owe me some money, pal. Every day at the same time. It's, it's getting annoying. <laughs> well said, Jim. Good job, buddy. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, uh, have a good day. 855-839-1210. Yeah, good, good. That's ex- excellent point. Henry, you reviewed the Epstein list. I know you had some thoughts on that. You shared with me earlier before the show started today. Yeah. Your thoughts? I mean, my, my biggest takeaway is that this Jeffrey Epstein guy, Yeah, he's a real jerk. Well, that's a very, very bold take. <laughs> yeah. No, but in all honesty, I, I couldn't believe uh, how smug and how arrogant and how suddenly forgetful Jelaine Maxwell was about, you know, every little detail that, yeah. that happened over the course of whatever, 20 years. I mean, it, and her answers are so condescending and mm-hmm. just angry. And I, I honestly, it, it was it was bothersome when they were like, you know, were you on the uh, plane with, uh, what was his name, the French guy, uh, Jean-Luc? Uh, oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah. You, 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 him, and Virginia, were mm-hmm. you all on the plane? She goes, I can't recall. And then you go, oh, well, here's a picture of the three. Does that, you know, jog your memory a little bit? And he's like, I can't recall. And it's like, well, of the 300 private flights you were on with Jean-Luc, uh, 23 of them happen to have Virginia on it, according to the flight logs. What, what do you think about that? I can't recall. And it just... Her denying uh, access to documents every every bit along the way. It, it was incredible, I, incredible how big of a scumbag and a sleazeball she is. And I can't believe she didn't not kill herself like Jeffrey Epstein yeah. didn't not kill himself. Yeah, well, it's like it's like I said. It, you know, one we we all pointed out immediately. And like oh, that didn't happen. Two, you you know something's up. So I, I guess I guess you got to keep one, right? Yeah, I guess, I guess if you, if if both of them didn't kill themselves, that would be something. Yeah. Right. If yeah. they both didn't hang themselves in prison, but died of hanging themselves in prison, that would be something. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, she still may get killed. I mean, it's it's entirely possible she still may kill herself by not killing herself. It's still entirely possible, oh, especially 100%. if there's anything regarding Hillary Clinton in this thing. I mean, Hillary's fine watching Bill go down, but if there's any, you know, no pun intended, but if there's anything about Hillary, <laughs> that's when Ghislaine Maxwell will definitely take her own life by not taking her own life. 
no doubt about that. I mean, I, I have a list of there's three, four, five pages of things or questions that she just suddenly forgot. Go ahead. You got them? Oh, man. You wanna, where I do you want to start? Okay. Uh, whether the defendant observed a female under the age of 18 at Jeffrey Epstein's home in Palm Beach. Whether had whether the defendant had met Miss Jeffrey, Gif- I don't know how you say the name, um, and introduced her to Epstein. Whether she met Miss Jeffrey at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, whether the defendant first met Redacted. Uh, whether she could recall being on a plane with Redacted in Virginia. Uh, whether the defendant knew uh, Nadia Mar- Mar- Marcinkova was doing at Epstein's mansions. Whether the defendant knew the nature of the relationship between Epstein and Sarah Kellen, whether the defendant knew Sarah Kellen recruited girls under the age of 18 to go to Epstein's mansions, whether massage therapists at Epstein's mansion performed sexual acts, whether defendants knew the age of Eva Dubin when she met Epstein, uh, whether defendant advised Joanna Schoeberg that she could obtain extra money if she massaged Epstein, whether the defendant introduced Schoeberg to Prince Andrew, whether the defendant could recall Emmy Taylor brought masseuses to Epstein's mansion. I mean, there's quite literally like four more pages of this stuff of yeah. the things she just can't remember all of a sudden. I don't recall. That's all she would say to these things. And apparently it got so bad during her deposition, she slaps uh, the laptop that uh, the lawyer was using right off the table. Uh, she was putting words in, uh, to the... Uh, the defendant's lawyer's mouth. I mean, uh, what, what was the exchange here? Um, it was basically an exchange saying, "Hey, did were these, you know, these girls coerced into you know sexual fat or sexual favors?" And she responds, "I've never co- coerced uh, underage girls into sexual, you know, right sexual acts." And he goes, "I didn't ask that's you about not, underage not the girls. That's not I the asked, question." Right? And it just things like that. You're just like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, no, I, I think. I think you're exactly right about that, Henry. And Matt Walsh at The Daily Wire wrote a very good piece about this as well. And he said, there are still many more questions and answers. If you go through the nearly 600 pages of documents that were released last night, you'll still find a lot of very conspicuous redactions. On page 497, for example, you'll find this question that was posed to Virginia Goofrey. Quote, Ghislaine Maxwell told you to go give a massage to redacted, correct? The name of the person is hidden. Remember, Virginia Goofrey is the victim here. She's the one who's underage. By the same token, on page 502, you'll find this question to Goofrey, quote, other than Glenn Dubin, redacted, Prince Andrew, Jean-Luc Brunel, Bill Richardson, who was the governor of New Mexico, and also one of Clinton's cabinet members, another prince, the large hotel chain owner and the late MIT professor Marvin Minsky, is there anyone else Ghislaine Maxwell directed you to go have sex with? Once again, there's a name missing from the list in that question. And for some reason, we're still not allowed to know who that is. The name is redacted. Now, as Matt Walsh points out, there could be good reasons for concealing the name. Maybe it's an underage victim of Epstein's. On the other hand, maybe it's someone with a lot of power who's still under the control of the intelligence agencies. We really have no idea. Whatever the case, there are a lot more redactions like this. You can go down, you can download the documents and see for yourself. What this means is that several years after Epstein's death, we're still left to fill in the blanks of court documents that were supposed to be made public before Epstein didn't kill himself. We're not entitled to know anything more than we already knew, and we're definitely not allowed to know what exactly 
was on those blackmail CDs that disappeared from Epstein's safe. Most of what appears in the documents released yesterday leaves plenty of plausible deniability for those named. None of it amounts to actual proof of wrongdoing. It all raises more questions than it answers, but there is very good reason to believe that there exists out there somewhere, or did exist at one point, actual physical direct proof that a bunch of powerful people raped children on Epstein's island or on one of his other properties. But that proof is not being released, and nobody has ever been arrested. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Epstein was an international pimp and pedophile, but apparently he had no clients. That's what we're supposed to believe anyway, but we can't believe that because it's nonsense, which means that the truth, the real truth, the full truth, is still being kept secret from us. There are secrets, as Alexander Acosta said, that are above our pay grade. And they will remain above our pay grade, at least until the people Epstein was blackmailing step out of line. Then we might see the names on those CDs. Then we might learn the identity of all the people named in those binders in his New York townhouse. Otherwise, the feds will continue to stonewall guys like Mike Cernovich and everyone else who's been seeking the truth. That's because more than four years after Jeffrey Epstein's death, he still belongs to the intelligence community. The CIA has a term called limited hangout. This is a tactic where some small portion of the truth is made public, while the most important details, the stuff that really matters, is kept hidden. Intelligence agencies do this in hopes that the stuff they release will satisfy everyone's curiosity and they'll stop asking questions. These Epstein files appear to be exactly that. This is a limited hangout, a diversion meant to satisfy you without actually telling you what you need to know. They want you to stop asking questions. Now, it's really interesting, too, when you go to this guy, Alexander Acosta. So Matt Walsh points out, you know, he says, normally the confirmation process to anoint a new secretary of labor isn't especially interesting. We certainly don't learn anything new or scandalous most of the time. But in 2017, the confirmation process of Alexander Acosta was a very notable exception. At the time, the Trump administration was vetting Acosta, and they asked him whether anything in his past might pose a problem during his confirmation hearings. That's when Acosta told Trump officials about his handling of the Jeffrey Epstein criminal case back when he was the United States attorney for the Southern District of Florida in 2007. Acosta recounted that he had agreed to give Jeffrey Epstein the mother of all sweetheart deals. He granted immunity not only to Epstein, but also to any potential co-conspirators, known or unknown. Acosta also hid the existence of his non-prosecution agreement from Epstein's victims in violation of the law. As a result of the deal, the federal investigation to Epstein was shut down. Epstein ultimately pleaded guilty to a state charge of procuring a girl for prostitution under the age of 18. He was out of prison in a few months. All of that was known to the Trump team when they interviewed Acosta. These are the kind of facts that could have killed his nomination to be Secretary of Labor. But Acosta offered an explanation for his handling of the Epstein case. He told investigators for the Trump administration that he had been directed by U.S. intelligence agencies to let Epstein off the hook. He was told that Epstein belonged to intelligence, that the matter was above his pay grade, and that he needed to leave it alone. When this news broke a couple years later following Epstein's arrest, Acosta was asked about it. He refused to say it was false, and he gave maybe the most equivocal answer he possibly could have given. This will go down in history as maybe one of the worst attempts to evade an answer that has ever occurred in a press briefing in Washington. Now, um, what I'll do, Matt, is I'll send you the 
the article here. You, if you go down a little bit, there's the, the Matt Walsh has the clip in there, but I'll continue reading while you pull it up. And his point is that it's an admission. There's no other way to interpret what Acosta was doing there. And he's not a particularly good liar. It's a non-denial confirmation that, yes, Jeffrey Epstein was an intelligence asset. He was being used by the United States intelligence agencies, and therefore he couldn't go to prison for amassing an army of child sex slaves. And that's not all the help Epstein and his associates received. On July 6th and 7th of 2019, shortly after Epstein was arrested on new sex assault charges, FBI agents photographed a variety of evidence in Epstein's New York townhouse. They discovered binders with CDs and photographs lining the shelves inside a safe, which they opened with a saw. The agents found lewd photographs of children. They also discovered even more CDs that had handwritten labels on them with the names of two individuals on some of the labels. Now, it's not hard to conclude that this was probably blackmail material. According to the official story, the FBI agents simply photographed all of these items, but they didn't take them because they didn't have a search warrant. Incredibly, the agents left the property to get a warrant, which somehow took four days to acquire. Now, I have seen enough law and order in my day to know that a judge will give you a warrant on a phone call in a matter of seconds if you need it in something like this. But I also have seen how the United States government operates, which is they do whatever the hell they want, and then they, they, they... they, you have to fight them later on about it. They, they, you, they, they, these, this is the same government that will take your car, your cash, your house, your guns, anything you have without even charging you with a crime if they, if they want to under civil asset forfeiture. So you're, you're telling me that the United States government suddenly had a conscience and thought that they wouldn't really take this stuff in Epstein's apartment because they didn't have a, a warrant? To, you t- This government, this United States government, that if I have $10,000 cash in my trunk, they'll seize it under the idea that I might be a drug dealer and I have to fight to get it back. But they wouldn't take these CDs and binders from Jeffrey Epstein's safe after they cut it open with the saw. And they couldn't get a judge on the phone. There are how many federal judges in this country? Five, six, hundred. How many federal judges are there in the United States of America, Matt DeSantis? Let's look that one up. You're telling me you couldn't get a federal judge on the phone at that moment? Or in New York State, how many federal judges are in the state of New York? Since this is where this happened, right? You couldn't get a federal judge on the phone to get you a warrant? How many federal judges are in New York State? Let's just look that up. Let's see. Let's ask the Google machine or the um, DuckDuckGo machine. How many federal judges are in the state of New York? Let's see what Siri says. Come on, answer me. Um. There's a lot of judges, I guess, basically, is the point. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a bunch. I'm just looking at the Eastern District of New York and just, I mean, all the judges here, there's dozens of them. There's dozens of federal judges here. There's dozens of, of magistrate judges. There's dozens, there's there's visiting circuit judges. That's just, just, just in the Eastern District of New York alone. I'm counting at least maybe two dozen federal judges. Southern District of New York has 44 okay. district judges, yeah. And the Eastern District probably has a similar amount. You couldn't get one of those. Not a single judge would answer the phone when an FBI agent was calling saying we've got probable cause here to believe that there might be incriminating evidence about underage children, children here. 
and not a federal, not a single judge would issue an emergency warrant or say, stay right there. I'm getting the warrant down to you right now. In which case, the FBI agents are already in the property. So they're already in the townhouse. They don't have to leave. They just wait for the warrant if that was really the issue. Ah, that little farce, you fool, couldn't pull a Corleone. Fool a Corleone, excuse me. I mean, this is, I, these people are unbelievable to me. They really are. Oh, can you pot up my, uh, my little thingy? You'll befall him if he should get I'll shot. Again. I'm a superstitious man. That's right. I am a superstitious man. And I don't believe you couldn't get a federal judge on the line. Think about this now. Binders with CDs and photographs lining the shelves. Lewd shelves. They found lewd photographs of children. You couldn't get a federal judge to grant you an emergency bench warrant at that moment? An emergency warrant? Search warrant? This is the answer that uh, this guy gave back then when he was uh, asked about the question, Alexander Acosta, at his time as United States attorney in Florida and why he had to leave Jeffrey Epstein off the hook and the question about whether or not he was directed to do so by the United States intelligence communities. Take a listen. Um, I think those rumors uh, are misconstruing the acts of the office with respect to that particular paragraph. One more question. Uh, Richard Lardner from the Associated Press. Mr. Secretary, were you ever made aware at any point in your handling of this case if Mr. Epstein was an intelligence asset of some sort? Um, so, 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 so there has there has been reporting to that effect, and and let me say um, there's been reporting to a lot of effects in in, in this case, uh, not just now but over the years, and and again, I would, you know, I would hesitate to take this reporting as fact. Um, this was a case that was brought by our office. It was brought based on the facts. And, and I look at that reporting and others, I, I can't address it directly because of our, uh, our, our guidelines. Um, but I can tell you that, that a lot of reporting is just going down rabbit holes. A, 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 few, a, few, a few more. Now, the FBI agents are standing there in Epstein's apartment. They see evidence of his townhouse. They see evidence now of, of children in lewd photographs, which in and of itself is probable cause. I mean, that, that any, any cop would tell you that at that moment in time, they have probable cause to take all of that stuff and then ask questions and return it later. If, in fact, it was not the wrong. They, they had probable cause in that moment to believe that there might be other pictures of children on there and that evidence could go missing. But they also could get a judge on the line and that they would have a warrant within, within, at least within the hour. But they left. They left Epstein's townhouse, and this is amazing. It took four days to get the warrant. And wouldn't you know, in the time it took to get the warrant, four days, everything was missing. All the material that the FBI agents had photographed was all missing. The CDs, the binders, all of it. Supposedly, one of Epstein's lawyers later brought the property to the FBI, but of course, there's no way of knowing if the CDs are the same ones that were removed from the safe. You have a chain of, you have a chain of custody issue here, obviously. There's no way of knowing how much evidence was tampered with. Now, as Matt Walsh points out, and I think he's accurate on this point, given this history, there really was no conceivable way we're ever going to learn the truth about exactly what Jeffrey Epstein did and who his associates were. But in 2017, independent journalist Mike Cernovich did his best to get some answers anyway. He tried to force the government's hand. He filed an intervening motion in an existing defamation case concerning Epstein. This motion, which went all the way up to the federal appellate court in New York, 
demanded that the government release information it possessed about Epstein. And the courts ultimately agreed. But just days before the documents were set to come out, coincidentally enough, Epstein and Epstein alone was booked on the new sex assault charges by the federal government. That arrest delayed the release of the documents pending the prosecution. Of course, that prosecution never came because Epstein, quote unquote, committed suicide. The materials in his safe began to disappear. And outside of Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's associates evaded scrutiny. The legal documents containing the names of many Epstein associates, as well as transcripts of key witness depositions, remain redacted. Last night, after many years of delays, we finally got a partially unredacted look at some of the documents that Mike Cernovich had been seeking for the better part of a decade. More documents are expected to be unredacted in the coming days. This is just the first batch. But most of the materials we're now allowed to see, as you probably guessed, are not particularly shocking. We all knew, for example, that Bill Clinton had flown an Epstein's private jet and had been photographed with some of Epstein's victims. What's new is unredacted testimony from Johanna Soberg, one of Epstein's victims. She asked, she was asked, did Jeffrey ever talk to you about Bill Clinton? In response, she testified that he said one time that Clinton likes them young referring to girls. It's not clear whether this testimony refers to underage girls, nor is it particularly new information. Neither is the fact that, according to one witness, Michael Jackson once visited Epstein's home in Palm Beach. To be sure, there are more alarming accusations in these documents, although for the most part, they aren't new. There's a testimony from Epstein victim Virginia Goofrey that she was directed by Ghislaine Maxwell to have sex with Prince Andrew, for example, as well as hedge fund manager Glenn Dubin. There's also renewed claims in these documents that Harvard law professor Alan Dershowitz had sex with one of Epstein's underage victims, something he, of course, denies. Again, we've heard this before. Going down the list, the billionaire executive chairman of Hyatt Hotels, Thomas Pritzker, is also alleging these documents to have had sex with one of Epstein's victims. Pritzker, incidentally, is related to Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, as well as the Harvard board member Penny Pritzker, who played a key role in promoting Claudine Gay to the Harvard presidency. Just in case you thought this week somehow couldn't get any worse for Harvard, there's actually an article from The Nation, which is not a conservative publication. July 24th, 2023, how Jeffrey Epstein captivated Harvard. But I won't get into that for the moment. I'll just point out that there is a link to Harvard, of course, as well. And then there are still many unanswered questions. But, you know, you got to you got to realize in life. That when these things happen the way they happen, the, this is on purpose. I mean, this is, this is on purpose. All of this. I told you this yesterday, and I, I said this before, and unlike a lot of people, I wasn't particularly like, jazzed up about getting the Epstein list because I didn't really think I was going to learn much new. I, of course, I wanted it to be during the show as we could read it to you, but 600 pages and redacted and BS and all the other nonsense. I think the evidence that would really burn people was in that safe, obviously, because that's what Jeffrey Epstein was going to use to blackmail people, probably on behalf of the United States government, probably because of the CIA. And it was purposely destroyed by our government. And we'll never know. And that's just it. And that's how it goes. And the truth will never come out. And anyone who questions this will be called a conspiracy theorist. But just ask yourself the obvious question. I mean, forget everything else, right? The U.S. attorney says the intelligence community told him to back off. This is above your pay grade. The fact alone that you had FBI agents standing in Jeffrey Epstein's townhouse 
they had to use a saw to open a safe. But somehow they didn't think they had the legal authority to take the documents and the CDs and the pictures that were in there, even though they had pictures of underage children, which any cop will tell you would give them probable cause. And yet they couldn't get a federal judge on the phone either. And so they left. They left a potential crime scene and didn't secure it. And they left and didn't come back for, until four days later, at which, which point everything was gone. I mean, that alone would be the kind of thing where if you put that in a movie, my father would walk out of the movie. No, he would, because my, I can't watch cop movies with my dad because he turns around all the time and goes, that's not realistic. That would never happen. But this really did happen. And if you put it into a movie, nobody would believe it. If you put it into a book, nobody would believe it. They'd say, this is BS. This couldn't happen. The FBI agents would not leave all that stuff just sitting there. Unless, of course, they had to because somebody walked in, you know, like the smoking man in, in uh, freaking X-Files and told them to get the hell out because this is above their pay grade, too. So <clears throat> wait for the next batch to come out and we'll see. But don't get your hopes up. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. This will go down as one of the greatest cover ups by our intelligence community of all time. Now, listen, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill. I drive, as many of you do, do as, as many of you know, a, a Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. And I love hearing the stories from listeners about the great experience that you had getting your Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. Like I talked to my friends uh, recently who got the XC40, my friend Deb and her husband Frank, and they love it. And there's a ton of room, and, they, and she loves how safe and beautiful it is. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey. Volvos have a tremendous, impeccable safety record, and relationships matter at Cherry Hill Volvo. They always strive to do what is right. They work hard to match you with the perfect Volvo and always go the extra mile for their customers. And right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They are open, have ample inventory, and are ready to meet you today. So why not start the year off with the luxury vehicle you deserve, a Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo? It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available. Cherry Hill Volvo is the most accessible Volvo dealer to Philly and South Jersey right across the bridge. Judith, Yosef, and the entire team look forward to meeting you. Cherry Hill Volvo is where relationships matter. They prove it every day. And we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios. So please go see them today. Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Now, just remember something. Even though apparently the FBI could not get a warrant to uh, take Jeffrey Epstein, the evidence in Jeffrey Epstein's safe, even though it had pictures of underage children, uh, police today in Pennsylvania executed a warrant on a farmer who was selling raw milk and cheese. And they were able to uh, keep the press out because there was a local reporter that went in there to try to cover it. And they kicked him out as they conducted an extensive search of raw milk and cheese that this farmer in Pennsylvania had the audacity to sell. I'll talk more about that. But just want to remind you of our government's priorities. Uh, speaking of priorities, we are now $34 trillion, I believe, in debt. Dr. E.J. Antoni, welcome back to the show, my friend. Happy New Year. How you doing? 
Happy New Year. I'm doing all right, but hold on. Give me one second here. I got to smuggle away all my raw milk and cheese so the authorities <laughs> don't find it in my fridge. I mean, I'm not a big fan of raw milk. Uh, maybe throw up once, but I still listen. If you want to drink it, I mean, knock yourself out. It's America, you know? Right. Well, like, like you said, priorities, you know, Let, let's not worry about the fact that we are spending ourselves into oblivion at, at a rate that would make a drunken sailor blush. Oh, oh, no, you know, that's not a big deal at all. The fact that we are mortgaging our, our kids and our grandkids future, the fact that we're destroying the dollar, the world's reserve currency. Nope, nope, no concern here. No, 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 no. We have to. We, if, if you have raw cheese. That is what we need to be worried about, okay? That's what we have to focus on, E.J. Antoni. And it's great that Happy New Year, by the way. And I want to uh, remind everybody, Dr. E.J. Antoni, of course, the official economist of the show and research fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget. And you've been all over Fox News lately. You might be on there more than me lately. I'm very impressed. Oh, I don't know. You, I'm sure you give me a run for my money. And uh, and our mutual friend uh, Jimmy Fallon will now be hosting Fox News Saturday night, so we're excited for Jimmy. Uh, so good things are happening there. All right, let's talk about the economy, though. How many? What's our what's our debt now? What are we at? So, like you said, we're over thirty four trillion for the first time ever. Not not exactly the kind of milestone that you want to brag to your friends about. In fact, exactly the opposite. You know, we're, we're increasingly getting to the point, Rich, where the bond vigilantes are just going to ha- start having their way. Because it's becoming increasingly clear that at some point, we're just not going to be able to pay this back. And if you do actually get paid back when you lend the government money, you're going to get paid back with with dollars that have lost so much value that it's the exact same thing as if the government simply defaulted. So it's just a question, is it going to be explicit default or implicit default? And who's going to be left without a chair when the music stops? In 2020, the CBO estimated that we would not cross $34 trillion in debt until the year 2029. They're five years off here. That's very problematic. Oh, my gosh. These are the same bean counters who were telling us that the Federal Reserve was still going to be earning a profit and was going to be helping uh, you know, the Treasury to pay its bills. The Fed has realized losses of $134 billion dollars and their unrealized losses are more than 10 times that so next time you want next time they want to criticize one of these uh, regional banks for getting on the wrong side of the interest rate trade and going under like silicon valley bank did just remember the fed has done it all in spades and they did it before any of these other banks did but but no you're right the, the cbo their estimates are way off they always have been they're completely unreliable mm-hmm yeah. All right. So this this issue right now of of spending and then this is the key point here, because I know some people are like, ah, who cares about the debt or whatever? This is why we have inflation. I mean, you've made this case on the show so many times. This is what's driving inflation in the United States of America. Out of control, federal spending, out of control debt, period. Right. And and the scary thing now is that we look like we're poised to repeat the mistakes of the 1970s, where when the government was on the brink of success and almost had inflation down for the count, what did it do? It took its foot off the brake, went right back on the gas. And then you got an even worse round of inflation towards the end of the 70s. And it gave us these the double dip recession at the end of the 70s and beginning the beginning of the 80s. And all of your listeners who were alive at that time will remember, I mean, I mean, that was a recession for the record books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was talking about recently, uh, there was a gentleman who came on the show to talk about the poll that shows now Donald Trump is winning with Hispanic voters from the Libre uh, organization. And he was mentioning the point that 
And for a lot of people, working class people in this country, they are not able to keep up with prices. The, the, the ability to do so is just it's just not there. I mean, we're talking about and prices have gone up on everything in such a way that you feel it. Yet the Biden administration keeps turning around and saying, you just need time. Bidenomics takes time to work. What are they? You can't fake how people feel when they're at the checkout line, E.J. Antoni. People either feel good when they're buying groceries or they don't. They either have enough money in their checking account at the end of the month or they don't. All the spin from Joe Biden about how wonderful Bidenomics is, is not going to change that. Exactly. And and what they constantly do, Rich, is they constantly tell these half truths. You know, they'll say things like, oh, well, this past month we saw uh, uh, we saw wages rise faster than prices. Isn't that great? OK, fine. Yeah, that that's great. That's better than the opposite. But what about the 26 months in a row where it was the opposite? Mm-hmm. What about, you know, for well over two years when people's earnings were falling behind the increase in prices? What about that? You can't act as if that never happened. The fact is people are demonstrably worse off today than they were two, three, even four years ago. There's just no way around that. And and you're absolutely right. When I can't afford to put gas in the tank and groceries in the back seat, you're darn right I'm not going to feel very good about the economy. What's there to feel good about? We have $1.1 trillion in consumer credit card debt. Uh, we're, we're seeing a record amount of this buy now, pay later because people are maxing out their credit cards. There's a record number of people who are having to work a second or even a third job to make ends meet. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Oh, but come on. You are you you're forgetting the fact that the healthcare sector uh, had growth, EJ Antoni. Why are you ignoring that fact? Oh, yes, yes. The healthcare sector had growth and so did the government. It's amazing how as soon as you take out all of the jobs that are dependent on government spending, either directly or indirectly in this economy, you find out we're not actually adding jobs at all at this point. I mean, it, it's incredible. So we, we have so many people who are going into uh, uh, to not just things like they're being doctors or nurses, uh, jobs that are considered well paid in the healthcare field, but we're talking lower level jobs things like uh, janitorial staff. Now, that's not to diminish what those people do, but I would much rather be adding high-value jobs to the economy where people are making enough that they can support themselves and their family than low-paying, entry-level jobs. But that's exactly what we're adding throughout the economy today. That, I'm sorry, but that's just not a sign of wealth and prosperity. No, and, and on Twitter, if you follow EJ, at Real EJ Antoni, and, and I'll read your tweet. U.S. sector PMI for December confirms that healthcare is the only part of the private sector with significant growth and it's heavily subsidized regulated controlled by government financials finally manage growth after months in the red but now all other sectors are signaling contraction i think that that aspect of this needs cannot be emphasized enough i mean how much that healthcare is subsidized by the government it's almost like the uh the green energy industry is like saying it's like saying evs had growth when we know they didn't but if you look at the amount of money the government gave for uh, for battery charging stations that weren't built and for subsidies to make these plants you could make an argument and go wow there's growth in this sector but of course that's that's a fugazi it's actually not true Exactly. And and that's why I say, you know, you don't want to just count the jobs that are directly funded by government, but also the jobs indirectly funded by government. And I think a really good illustration of, of just how how much the not, you know, not just the jobs, but frankly, the, the entire economy at this point is kind of a fugazi. You think about this, the increase in the deficit matches the increase in GDP growth 
in the third quarter of last year. So this idea that that somehow the economy is growing and and the private uh, economy is thriving, it's not. This is entirely a a debt-fueled binge from the public sector, nothing more. This is not sustainable. Let me ask you the other question, too, which is that when you're dealing with this illegal immigration problem, this invasion of the southern border, and you've got December alone, you know, 320,000 people across the border illegally into the United States of America. And you got all these Democrat mayors now who are whining and saying, we don't have the resources to take care of people. We don't have the resources. Go back to Texas, basically. Uh, what is going to be the, the impact of this for our nation? I, it, it doesn't get talked about enough. But when I hear Eric Adams whining about this daily and i hear mayors in chicago whining about this daily and now wishing they weren't a sanctuary city and saying we don't have the resources for this problem and governor greg abbott goes on fox news today and says look texas doesn't have the resources for this problem what what is going to be the impact of this economically right exactly so you you are already seeing state budgets exploding because of the the welfare payments that they're making to these illegal aliens uh, you know all these all these sanctuary city mayors you know maybe they should change it to sanctimonious city mayors uh, <laughs> right. but they're, you know they're all complaining that now texas should be paying them because texas is busing the migrants there I- i'm sorry but you guys called down the thunder now reap the whirlwind you want it to be a sanctuary city well now you got it and you know it's amazing too rich i'm starting to see reports now from new Jer- north new jersey residents where they're complaining that illegals are going door to door asking for money because either the the check stopped coming from whatever municipality took them in or they can't find a a hotel whatever the case may be Uh, i mean this this is getting increasingly dangerous when you start seeing videos on on people's ring cameras on their front door for example of these illegal aliens walking around and checking car doors in the middle of the night to see if any if any of them are left open if they can maybe uh, get some cash out yeah. Well, you know, I, it's 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 absurd and insane. And it, it, yet the federal government does nothing about it. They're not they're not dealing with the situation at some point. Oh, they're, they're doing something about it. They're going down and cutting the razor wire well, that's that the true. Texas Rangers put in place. That's yeah. what the federal government's doing about it. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And those and those those little barrels, spinny barrel things that would knock people off and they fall into the river. They took those out, too. And by the way, they're fun. They're fun. I mean, just I know that they're also a way to stop people from crossing the Rio Grande. But those are also just fun to stand on one of those things and try to make it. I mean, come on. You know, at least give the people some fun, some, some fun on their way over or making this journey. Come on. Yeah, maybe you could even incorporate that into part of the the immigration test, where one of the criteria, not only do you have to have your paper papers in order, but you also need to be able to walk across those things. <laughs> Like the feats of strength. I love it. Uh, All right, my friend. Well, listen, we have a lot to talk about economically, I'm sure, as the presidential election gets underway. And um, I'm I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the candidates as well. It's going to be a busy year for us in 2024. Uh, Before I let you go, uh, 30 seconds. The Haley-DeSantis debate that's about to happen. uh, Who who do you think wins that uh, that battle? Donald Trump. Yep. Because, look, at, at the at the end of the day, the more these people uh, expose themselves for what they truly believe, I think the more the American people are going to realize that they don't particularly like what those individuals stand for. I, I think increasingly the American people are, are liking candidates, you know, not just Donald Trump, but people like Vivek Ramaswamy, who are clearly outsiders uh, to the political arena.
Yeah, well said. All right, my my friend, EJ Antoni. Follow him at Real EJ Antoni on Twitter, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, Rich. Always a pleasure. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour on the Rich Seoli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. The premier full-service resort and conference center. GrandHotelKateMay.com Cooper University Healthcare, a leading academic health system. Cooper's experts provide award-winning primary and specialty care at more than 100 offices throughout the region, including personalized cancer care through the MD Anderson Cancer Center at Cooper, groundbreaking stroke and neurosciences care, advanced surgical services, cutting-edge clinical research, and more. Recognized regionally and nationally, make Cooper your first choice for outstanding care close to home. For an appointment, call 800-8-COOPER or cooperhealth.org. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Yes, you know, the uh, border is wide open and dangerous. And even New York City's Mayor Eric Adams admits, yes, some of these people might be criminals. But Nikki Haley says don't call them criminals. It's mean. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We have an abbreviated hour because of basketball. But for the next 20 minutes or so, we'll hang out and we'll have a good time. And I got a ton of audio for you. Uh, on a bunch of different things. But let's begin with the border, shall we? Speaker Mike Johnson went down to the border yesterday with a bunch of Republicans. He talked about the fact that the Biden administration is actually proposing more money to allow more illegal immigrants into the country. Cut number one. How come the House has not yet touched this $14 billion supplemental request from the Biden administration? The White House is hammering you on it. Why not take it up and, and, and help these individuals? Jake, good to be with you. Sorry it's taken so long to come on with you since I became speaker. Listen, this is a catastrophe down here. And what the White House is proposing is more money to process and allow more illegals into the country. We need to do the opposite of that. And this is, you don't need to take my word for it. Listen to the deputy chief of the U.S. Border Patrol who was with us last night. And he told us in his own words, he said, it's as if I'm at an open fire hydrant. I don't need more buckets to, to dump the water. He said, I need to turn the flow off. That's why we're here today, Jake. We had 64 House Republicans here representing 26 states and one U.S. territory, everybody from California to Maryland, Michigan to Florida, because every state in America is a border state right now. This catastrophe can come to an end if the Biden administration will do its job, and they've refused to do it. They're doing the opposite. Yeah, they are doing the opposite. And they're screaming about Texas Governor Greg Abbott because he has the audacity uh, to bus these illegal immigrants into other places. And here is uh, Governor Greg Abbott making the great point today with Dana Perino and Bill Hammer. You know, the Democrats are all for this. They're all for illegal immigration. As long as it doesn't land on their doorstep, he's exactly right. Cut number three. Well, Dana, something has been revealed during this entire episode, and that is the very real hostility that Democrats have against illegal immigrants. 
You know, they, they profess to be sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. They want to welcome them in until they actually do come in. And then when they come in, they say, no, 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 we don't want them here. We want to send them back to Texas. Therefore, illegal immigration, as long as it's Texas and the border states that have to deal with that illegal immigration. Mm -hmm. Second, Dana, it's absurd to think that New York doesn't have the room for it, or New Jersey doesn't have the room for it. They think Eagle Pass or Del Rio, Texas has the room for it. Now, we have uh, more people coming across our border every single day uh, than what New York gets in a week or a, a month. Mm -hmm. And so it's outrageous uh, that they're saying uh, that they cannot deal with this. Of course, it's outrageous. And as Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona points out in Fox News today with Harris Faulkner, we have no idea where these people are coming from. We have no idea who they are. We just have no idea. Cut six. And it is so bad. Um, and the people we talk to, we talk to health administrators. We talk to first responders. We talk to the local ranchers and business people. Um, and we talked, I talked to the Texas border czar. So we were there and I will tell you that it, it continues to get worse. And we are actually facilitating this. The administration is facilitating, uh, facilitating the logistic arms of transporting people, uh, from the, the cartels importing into the United States or exporting to the United States. We are facilitating that. And we met, actually met with the inspector general for the DHS last night. And more than 75 percent, his audit showed more than 75 percent of these people, Harris, of the eight million or so that have come in under Joe Biden. We have no idea where they are. They are totally unaccountable to any U.S. authority. We have no idea. And that's something that's 75 percent. We have no idea. Here's the uh, mayor of Eagle Pass, Texas. He's a Democrat. His name is Rolando Salina. Uh, who said now this this system is broken. It's off the rails. And those who don't qualify for asylum need to be deported right away. Cut two. The visit by Speaker Johnson's delegation, was it productive? I think it was productive. It's always good to have members of Congress here in Eagle Pass to see the situation, to see what's going on. But what's more important is if we see actual actions come of these meetings. We've had a lot of people visiting here in Eagle Pass, but we want to see action what right kind of, now. The, the way this, what kind of action do you yeah. want? I mean, as a mayor, what I've seen here, I see thousands of people coming in without consequence. So, what I want to see is a system where you detain people, and if they don't qualify for asylum, you deport them right away. Right now, what's happening is that they detain people and they release them into an NGO here in Eagle Pass, and then they're all over in the U.S. We need an orderly system where you're deporting people that come here illegally and don't qualify for asylum immediately instead of having this approach of come one, come all. That's what we've been seeing here in Eagle Pass, a city of 27,000 people, and we don't have the resources to sustain this problem. I mean, the asylum system is completely off the rails. It's completely broken in this country. I mean, it will take years for the people who are crossing over today, some of whom will claim asylum, unless they can prove ultimately in a court that they were persecuted for some specific reason. Um, if they're just economic migrants, that's not a claim, a legitimate claim of asylum. And yet they can be here for years, legally not able to work. It's such a broken system. There's not enough judges. It's ridiculous. 
But the but the point that the mayor is making, Anderson, which you just brush over, is that they used to be deported. Now, if they're not eligible for asylum, they're allowed to stay, and they're just released into the United States of America. You're missing that point, Anderson. That's the problem. And here's a Democrat mayor of a city telling you that. Rolando is telling you this, and you're just glossing over that fact. They used to be deported. You didn't qualify for asylum? Get out. Now you don't qualify for asylum? You get to stay. That's the problem. And that is what needs to be dealt with. And once again, we have Republicans who are sounding like Democrats, like Nikki Haley. She said this. I played it a few times on the show today, but it's worth playing again. As she says, it's wrong to call them criminals. And last time I checked, by the way, uh, to enter the United States illegally is a crime. Okay, you have to come here through a port of entry. If you do not, you are breaking federal law. Now, last time I checked, somebody who commits a crime is called a criminal. Cut seven. But let's keep in mind, these people that are wanting to come here, they want to come for a better life, too. They have kids, too. They have a heart, too. They So we don't need to be disrespectful. We don't need to talk about them as criminals. They're not. They're families that want a better life, and they're desperate to get here. Monday, we're going to have a big announcement of an event coming up next month in February. So I'm going to tease that and let you know that on Monday... We're going to have a big announcement for another event. I'm excited because we haven't had one in a long time together. So pay attention when that happens, obviously, as you always pay attention to the show, of course. Uh, because if you don't pay attention, you'll miss things like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General Fugazi. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General Fugazi. Fugazi. It's Fugazi. It's not Fugazi. I don't like the fact, Matt DeSantis, that he's appropriating my people's culture. <laughs> he gets a pass because that was one of the best calls we've had in quite some time. For no, all really the wrong was. reasons, though. No, that's true. It really was. But this is... How do you know it's a Fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. What? It's a fake. Yeah, I know what a Fugazi is. Fugazi. Not... not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. General Fugazi. <laughs> not Fugazi. Okay? There's a, di- there's a difference, Joe, from Norristown. There's a big difference right there. Now, I have not had a chance to play this clip yet, but I'm excited to. So this, this, is, a, this is a McDonald's customer here. Tell me about this here, this Matt DeSantis, this, uh, what happened with this customer. So this is a clip that's gone viral on social media, and it's one of the most insane things we'll play, uh, I would imagine, for the entire 2024. No, that's a bold statement. Oh, just wait until you hear this. So just to summarize, this woman ordered a McChicken from McDonald's. Uh, She saw the packaging, which evidently is white and blue, and immediately assumed that McDonald's was pro-Israel. And listen to how she confronts the the poor employees at McDonald's. So I was starving, so I had to get one quick sandwich from here. And I thought they gave me the wrong sandwich, but conveniently, McDonald's changed their packaging. Wow. What does that resemble? Yeah, okay, what is this? This one? Yeah, what is this new packaging? It's the McChicken wrapper. But why is it blue and white? I honestly, I don't know. I think you do know. This is in support of Israel. They changed it. They I mean, it was like that a few months ago because we ran out of the regular ones. No, I don't think so. This is obviously in support of Israel. No, I mean, we actually had that for a while,
I mean, we have had stuff. We also I know, had the red one. I know this is not your fault because you're an employee, yeah. but I think this is disgusting for them to do this. Yeah. And I know you in your heart, you know in your heart that this is clearly what this wrapper is for. But I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm explaining it to you. It is. This is what it's for. This is the color of their flag. This is clearly what they're doing and what they're showing to people. And I think it's disgusting. Wow. What a lunatic. What a wonderful person to have lunch with, huh? <laughs> I, I know this isn't your fault, but I'm going to make it your yeah. fault. It's all your fault. Yeah, I know it's not you because you have no power over McDonald's packaging since they're an international corporation. But I'm going to yell at you, even though you're getting paid you know, 15 bucks an hour to manage the place. I'm going to go after you and ruin your day. How anti-Semitic do you have to be in order to be yeah. offended by white and blue yeah. packaging on your sandwich? So anything white and blue, is, is this lunatic going to go after now? Evidently. Well, is, isn't White Castle white and blue? Like, Yeah. I mean, anything anything is blue and white. This nutbag is going to go after now. <laughs> Walmart. Any, just pick it, the Smurfs. <laughs> oh, no, not Papa Smurf. Pa- well, he's got a red hat, so maybe uh, he's maybe exempt. safe, yeah. Everyone else, though. But most of the Smurfs are blue and they wear white. So clearly this is some sort of Israel propaganda cartoon show meant to get my children to be pro-Israel. Like The Smurfs have been on for like 57 years. They've made a comeback, by the way. My kids are into the Smurfs now. Really? They're back. Why? Why? I don't know Did why. Did we need the Smurfs? I, I don't know. It was I a re- great show when I was a kid. Was you it? didn't like the Smurfs? I don't really remember watching No, the I think Smurfs it skipped your child, guys' generation. Yeah. It was my uh, my thing when it was the Smurfs. I had the little act- the little figures. I think it skipped a generation, what do yours. do I don't understand the point of a Smurf. They're just blue and tiny, right? It's a freaking kid's cartoon. There's have to be a point to it. Is it logic <laughs> yeah, was, now? What do you- that was a bad I don't know. I, I thought that, you know, you got to do something in order to entertain the kids. They don't have anything notable aside from their... They're weird little blue bodies. Well, right? that's not true. Papa Smurf is very wise, and the the the, the girl kind of puts a little Smurfette. Uh, Smurfette. She's kind of easy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's she's easy in a kids show so. now. He's easy on the eyes. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It doesn't have to have a point. It's the freaking Smurfs, DeSantis. Not everything has to have like a like a you know a meaning. You sound like this nutbag woman looking for <laughs> hidden meetings and things. It's a freaking kids show. I don't know. I thought you needed a gimmick. Just Gargamel's like the one. gimmick. Who's that? Gar- Gargamel's the bad guy in the Smurfs. No. What? What's wrong with you? How do you not know this? Watch the Smurfs. A Smurf is a little person, I think. I don't know if you can say that anymore. It might be racist. Hank Johnson's going to Hank Johnson's going to come you. after the Smurf equity. Um, that's a good clip, though. I like that. That that woman's a nut. She's a nutbag. Completely Get off the I think those two would get along well together. They they should have lunch. They should Joe have. in Norristown, I'll buy you and the crazy anti-chicken lady, uh, anti-Israel chicken lady lunch if you guys get together. Be like the gatekeeper and the key master getting together in Ghostbusters, you know what I mean? I would like to hear the audio of that conversation, but I wouldn't want to be the one collecting it. No, and, and by the way, all this money that's just sitting here, what is 1210 that? grammar jar, I guess uh, it's every time what Nick says something that's grammatically incorrect is to put a dollar in the thing. Is that it? There's a lot of money in there. Yeah. I know... Four-hour show. Does the C-suite know about this? Because they may come and commandeer it. <laughs> they better stash that away. I'm just saying. We got some blue and white companies here if you want to hear them. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, Amex, Dell, Facebook, Ford, Visa, HP, IBM, Lowe's, Oral-B, Oreo, PayPal, Skype, Chase Bank. 
this this woman's going to go to all those companies and accuse yeah. them of being a pro-Israel shill. You know, walk into Lowe's and be like, "That I see you. I see it's blue and white on your on your sign." You're like, "Yeah, I think it's disgusting." By the way, the employee at McDonald's deserves some sort of raise or bonus because yeah. I would have lost my mind two seconds into that conversation. Yeah, I would have been like, "I hope you choke on this chicken." See, I could never handle people. Like, I could never be in customer service. I would not last more than five seconds. Like, listen. You're lo- you don't even need a fried chicken sandwich, fat ass. That's the first thing I would say to her. It's true. I, you know this woman's heavy. Come on. I don't mean to fat shame. She but was you- starving. She said that in the clip. She was yeah, starving. starving. And I guarantee you she had a mask on, somehow stuffing her chicken sandwich in under her mask. You know exactly what this... I guarantee you I can create this image in your mind. She never shows herself on camera, which is usually a bad sign. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so what I mean is that she's probably uh, obese and unhealthy, but wears a mask all the time and eats food that's not good for her and then screams at people that get too close to her personal space because they're going to give her COVID. And she doesn't leave the house, except when she goes to McDonald's to get more fried chicken sandwiches and complain about the pro-Israeli rapper. <laughs> uh, UFC fighter, uh, welterweight champion Colby Covington was on Fox News. Um, so women's bo- so boxing is now going to allow uh, women to box trans men, men who are trans, men, biological men who identify as women, who are still men, will now be able to box against women in women's boxing, which is, I think, an incredibly dangerous and stupid move here. Uh, cut 16. It's despicable. Biological men sh- shouldn't be allowed to compete in women's sports. Doesn't matter what their hormone levels or pronouns are, they're still biological men. When they dig up their bones in 200 years, their bones won't leave pronouns. They're just going to leave XX and XY chromosomes. And unfortunately, boxing is, is a sport that could potentially have fatal consequences. So to let women go against men is completely irresponsible, unethical, and dangerous. This must be a PR stunt from the USA boxing team because anyone sincerely suggesting this is a good idea needs to seek serious professional help immediately. Yeah, well said. I agree. Uh, It's amazing how dangerous woke can be. Just doing our social media check-in, thanks to our friends at Cherry Hill Vavo. Uh, Johnny Cook, did you see the Smurfette file from Epstein Island? Disgusting, but a little hot. Uh, Too soon, Johnny. And Sid says Stephen Hawking loves the Smurfs naked. I mean, come on, Sid. Too soon. I got to say, I didn't have Stephen Hawking orgy and midgets undressing in my 2024 Hellscape bingo card. That part's fake. Is that fake? Yeah. What, that Stephen Hawking was there? uh, I'm not sure if he was there, but that that part about the whole midgets thing. Yeah, I don't know if you can say midgets. Well, there's not what this says in the... Dwarves, little people, whatever. I don't mean to be offensive. I'm not trying to... I'm just saying that's what... Yeah. That uh, That was made up? Yeah, it's a doctored post. No, the actual email from uh, Epstein to Jelaine is... You can issue a reward to any of Virginia's friends, acquaintance, family that come forward and help prove her allegations are false. The strongest is the Clinton dinner and the new version in the Virgin Islands that Stephen Hawking participated in an underage orgy. I just did not have Stephen Hawking orgy on my 2024 Hellscape bingo card. (laughs) That is... You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I just it, I never thought those words would come out of my mouth. <laughs> I feel like it would have been weird if you had predicted it. <laughs> Nostradamus. Fair yeah. point. Yeah. Nostradamus <laughs> himself is going right now like, damn, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> predicted all these other things.
All right, uh, we got to get out of here because we have basketball coming up, but we have a big announcement on Monday for another event. I just want to mention, too, you know, Nikki Haley, I'm not a fan, but there's going to be a Nikki Haley debate between Haley and uh, Ron DeSantis. They're the last two left now. Neither Vivek nor Chris Christie qualified. So that is going to be, when is that? Next week, I believe, correct? Is that right? Uh, I know they have two separate town halls tonight. I don't know about the debate. Okay, and then... We have the Fox News town hall with former President Trump coming up right before the Iowa caucus. So that's happening very, very soon as well. Um, But look, I mean, I think that the reality is the establishment is going to continue to get behind Nikki Haley. I think she's a disaster. And I think that that debate, she's probably going to do better than DeSantis because she's just a better debater. He's not he's not a talented debater. It's not to diminish his his he's a great governor, but he's just not a. I mean, debate is a skill. And he hired the wrong debate coach. I was not available, but he, I know the guy he hired, and he's not that good. Anyway, the point is, uh, watch the establishment to get behind Nikki Haley after that night in a big, big way. They want to make it a two-person race, Haley versus Trump, as I predicted to you some time ago. All right, have a great rest of your night tonight. Thank you very much. We got Temple Hoops starting and momentarily. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thank you for listening to the show, and we will be back with you for a full show promptly tomorrow at 3. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.